Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fest on Raw Dog Product Comedy Hits Channel 99 to Bennington. I am Ron Bennington. This is Gail Bennington, no relation. Hi. And uh, we are still in our sixth hour of the show today. And we're trying to raise some money for ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever does that. I guess that's what Kickstarter is. It's a telethon for yourself. Can I talk about my favorite Western? (laughs) Who's talking? Me. What are you doing on the Bennington show, Chris? You're Fez. What? We're raising some money for me. That money and put it in my pocket. Uh, yeah, you're not normally around this time of the day, Gail, but somebody wants to see the Dice Man. I will be there for Dice. Um, now, here's the thing on that. We'll be uh, doing Dice uh, and Unmasked with Dice. Uh, Dice Man, during the time that you're listening to the, Far- the Farley Brothers Unmasked. The Farley Brothers Unmasked. Because we're just going at this a mile a minute. Just a mile a minute. And let me guess, Chris, your favorite Western, and I'm just going to guess this, yeah. right? <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that's a fantasy epic. That's not a, that's not a Western. For a I'm few writing, dollars more. I'm writing a story right now called Lord Jesus Christ of the Rings. And it's a way to try to get these nerd kids to Jesus. Um, so, yeah, we got a lot to do today. Sam Roberts show is on at 3 o'clock. 2 o'clock is the Unmasked show. You'll like to hear that with uh, 
Peter and Bobby Fairley. The Fairley brothers, they got the big show coming out today. You know, one of the big things up on the iBank today is the Cosby um, victim, the alleged rape victim, doesn't find the memes, the Cosby memes, about rape to be funny. And what's her quote on that, Chris? All right, this is, this is, this is what she said. I do not find rape funny. But I do not ridicule others for their expression. Bill Cosby's self-induced hashtag Cosby meme was a safe outlet for many to do so. Mm. So she does like it. She likes that Cosby's getting getting hit with the comments. Okay. She likes that it's back in the news. Because I thought she didn't find it funny. And probably the reason why she doesn't find it funny is she was raped. Right. And you're less likely. Like, you know, you could do a plane crash joke and tell somebody you know died in a plane crash, like Bono's luggage. And now I don't think it's funny anymore. I like that she's weighing it out, though. She's like, I don't like rape jokes, but, but I hate him. Yeah. So I'm willing but to take my jokes. personalized. <laughs> Sexual assaults only fun on Twitter. Good impression. It is the only... Right now, I got... This is my Bill Cosby impression. Oh, the pudding, the pudding, the pudding, pudding, cucumber, pudding, 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 pudding. That sounds just like him. Yeah. I uh, I struggle with that. Pudding. Pudding. <laughs> I think if there was like a one-word impressionist contest, I think I could go up against Jim Moore. Pudding. I don't, yeah, it's now, Cosby. That's uh, that. That last one actually sounded more like me. <laughs> pudding. <laughs> Who wants pudding, kids? <laughs> and I always like to. Do you want pudding? Would you like vanilla or chocolate? Like, why are we choosing? Why are we down? Why not have enough? Mix them. Mix yeah, them up. Mix that's them up. Great. Let's uh, black cow that shit. Cut that chocolate a little bit with some sweet vanilla. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So um, she actually put out the statement that, yeah, I get it. Rape isn't funny, but making him uncomfortable is. Now, you'd have to go out of your way because there's plays everywhere that he wasn't uh, convicted of anything, you know? But again, they make up memes from you and you don't have to be convicted. That's part of the fun of memes. (laughs) That's just how the internet works. Pudding, 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 pudding. Pudding. So the internet expresses itself through pudding, memes. Pudding, 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 pudding. Uh, Fez, you told me that you had a big story up on the Interabank today about a mother who wanted something taken out of the dollar store. She went to the dollar store and bought a toy for her child. This was in the toy aisle. She said there's Barbie dolls on one side, baby dolls on the other. And it's something called an evil stick. And she now wants it removed from the shelves of the dollar store. It looks like a pink princess magic wand. Mm -hmm. But when you peel that foil back on it, there's a demonic exorcist-looking type girl cutting her wrists in the center of it. First of all, I don't see a demonic girl. I saw a little girl in that picture. I thought you were going to show like a cartoon girl, but it looks like a, just a, like a little girl's classroom picture, and then she's cutting a wrist. Yeah, but like they've like redone her eyes to make her eyes look all evil, and her mouth is like has an evil grin added evil. to it. Evil. Say it this way. Evil. Evil. So would you like have this taken out of the dollar stores? Yeah, I mean it's well, no, because it's called an evil stick. Read the label, lady. 
but showing little girls with an actual little girl slicing her own wrists. You know, I mean, I understand. I normally I'm like, hey, don't shop at the dollar store. But I mean, if you're against child pornography, you probably should throw this as part of it. Because obviously, the, like the little girl doesn't get the gimmick. But if there was like a little girl just pulling her dress up, oh. everybody would be like, get out of the evil stick. But she's slicing herself, and we have trouble in this country with cutters and um in bullying suicides too and what's that bullying suicides bullying suicide i couldn't understand i, I heard bullying yeah. i thought it was bowling bowling you can also go watch out for bowling suicides you know what i'm gonna guess that you're from south queens all right hey kids out there they got bowling suicides I'm You're from like, the arts hold district. Hold on, Chris. Yeah. Gail's laughing in your face. I just want to. Yes. I don't want you to interrupt her laughter. Hi, <laughs> hey, you can't be careful. You don't get any of them bone suicides. You ball what you ball. Get in there, put them little bumpers in there so you get my ball, bone ball out of the gutter. Didn't know it sounded like that. Similar to that. You're so good at impressions. Porting is a little girl got porting. Like normally, I'm like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. But if I had a small child and I'm in the dollar store, <laughs> anything you want for a dollar, honey? Wait a minute, that's bad. If you buy an evil stick, what do you think is going to be behind the foil? It's not going to be a picture of a little girl riding a pony. Okay, what if it was an evil stick and it was a little girl slicing a gay kid? Then you'd be like, that's wrong. Yeah, well, this is a little girl (laughs) slicing a little girl. This is, you know, it's not the message that we try to send. In the uh, in the video, the store owner says he's not removing it. It says on the toy label, it's for children three years old and up. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, now, uh, now I'm with him. Now I thought I thought little kids were going to have it. I mean, a three year old can handle this. What about damn bowling citizens? Bull- bullying. All right, you bowling ball boys, you ever think about suicide? You give me a call. All right. You give me a call, cause sack on riding in. Queens is joining Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> Astoria has joined the rebel forces. <laughs> <laughs> it's a boring suicide. You got another stick of that beach net? <laughs> hey, you got any pickles and bagels in there? Why don't you give me a bucket of them? Do me a favor, swing me up two big buckets of that Greek fried cheese. Take it over. <laughs> Take it over there to the Stanley Hacienda, you know? Delicacy. The South Queen's delicacy. That's cool, though. That's a fucking cool, that's a cool Southern Queen's accent. Thank you. Chris had some, um, well, we went out to eat after the Bennington show today. We were looking for you, Fuzz, and then we, then we hid behind a car when we saw you. <laughs> but um, Chris went through an omelet and toast, and it looked like half a pound of bacon that they lined up for us. Large portions. Faster than any human in the history of the place, and it was so great they put his name on the wall. <laughs> Way to go. 
I love it. Then he made a speech. You bowling kids, be careful, okay? A lot of suicides. Somebody bullies you, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Grab an automatic and go into that goddamn school like it's Columbine. 1999! Hey, <laughs> uh, you want to bring back 99? You start some shit with this kid. You're like one of those parents that shows up to the kid and ready to fight the teacher, you know? Definitely. Give my kid any shit. That was a good omelet, though. Thank you. It's a nice don't, breakfast. Don't thank me. I, do, I didn't even want you there. Oh. I want to fess. Jason, Panic in Detroit. Hey, morning, Ron. Hey, Ron, I don't know if you know this, but the uh, street lingo for killing yourself because of Boeing suicide is called the 710 split when you split your wrist. Some bitch, I never say Boeing suicide. I said Boolean suicide. <laughs> when the bully starts on people, not a ball, bone ball. Uh, you guys want to come to my house later and watch some Kang Pan? <laughs> <laughs> Favorite movie. Uh, kids, turn off your goddamn music. Kingpin's on. <laughs> Help me move the couch out in the porch. I want to keep an eye on the neighborhood and that. <laughs> I got a big old bucket full of Jack Daniels. I'm going to be running. <laughs> Sounds good. You make the here's the fucking bad thing. Slightest fucking slurring mistake. And it just keeps going on and on. Anyway, that story is up on the Interabang. Fez, for the first time ever, went free speech and and for the first time ever, I'm like, that one crosses a line. <laughs> this little girl doesn't get the joke. And like I said, if she was pulling her skirt up, everybody'd be freaking out. But this seems to be more dangerous than her. Look, uh, I don't know where this takes place, but is there a mountain in the background? Yeah. It's always what you expect to say <laughs> when there's a trouble. And look, Mama, who's upset, got a big old titty tattoo. <laughs> it's a flower, though. It's classy. It's the same thing from inside the evil stick. Oh, if you like it, it's a titty tattoo. Get in your mom. And it says, bowl on, Freebird. <laughs> Them Skinner boys are bowling in heaven right now. Bowling with Jesus. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Bruce in Louisiana, you're on the Run of Fest show. Yeah, I just want to tell you, Ron, you are just on today. You sound like you are having more fun than you've had in a while. Is, is there anything better than just being able to work with your own kid and being able to make your own kid laugh at will like that? Well, normally they laugh at me, my children. They laugh at me. It's not true. Like with my appendicitis attack. No, we never. They're like, ah! It's very serious. I don't know who you got in there, but they misspelled Gail's name. It's not sp the 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 gay. Take you got to take the gay out of Gail. Is what I try to say. It's Pray not G A Y L E. Uh, who do you got on the phones, Chris? That's a big easy. Oh, okay, he's Hispanic. Yeah, yeah. he's Ed thinking Ed about Ed. his next haircut. Oh yeah, he has a haircut a week. You know, fade. Get those lines tight. Oh. <sighs> wow. Very silly. Yeah, we got a little silly there for a little while, didn't we? Got a little silly in here. Yeah. Chris is going to cut himself later. Probably. Fe Fez is just sitting there going like, oh, there's ball busting and it's not me. <laughs> this is Rock. great. This is great. 
Finally, the gay kid's not getting it. <laughs> the gay kid got it last night. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Now, yeah. ain't a virgin! As much as I'd like the chant to continue, that's not it. Fez is still a virgin. Fez is still a virgin. Fez is still a virgin. That'll haunt me in my sleep. No. (laughs) Not the first time you heard it. I was walking home down Christopher Street. Is this the start of a children's book? (laughs) I was walking home down Christopher Street. Okay. You live on Christopher Street? No, but that's the way I go home. And as I'm passing the stone wall, this mean gay couple come up. uh, They're cutting across the sidewalk to go into the stone wall as I'm walking past it. Um, I try to get around them, and they've got their arms around each other. And they start moving back and forth to block my path. Hmm. If I go left, they they go right. If I go right, they go left. Then, as I finally say, excuse me, and go to get around them, up against the wall of the stone wall, one of them just levels his shoulder into me. What? I don't even understand the story at all. Were they walking towards you? They were walking towards me. Maybe they were... All drunked up. Well, that's just drunk people stuff. Yeah, but I took it very personally. Maybe it wasn't intentional. Did you start crying? Yeah, I cried on the way home. The rest of the walk home, I, I totally just started crying. Why? Because I'm like, I just took it so personally about why so mean. But maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe No, it was intentional. Yeah, because I was trying to get around him. The, well, the one think- guy gave me a dirty look and then shoved his elbow, his uh, shoulder into me. Why, why do you think they were so mean to you? I have no, I, I guess because they were younger than me and I was by myself. And they just thought they could do whatever they wanted to someone. I missed this on the Bennington show. Um, but I'm going to bring something up to you, Fez. You have been, according to you, in the last three, two weeks, you feel like you've been attacked three times, once in the elevator here in the building. Oh, yeah. I'm just starting to wonder if maybe you weren't over-personalizing a bump into people in New York with, you know... These guys, a lot of drunk people. These guys uh, uh, totally did this on purpose. I mean, I understand they were drunk, but I mean, they singled me out on the sidewalk. Now, why would they single you out? Because I was the one closest to them. Yeah, but did they? But you said that they were gay, right? Yeah, I mean, they were like you know, you know, arms around each other in a romantic way. Could they have been flirty? Looking for a third? Oh. Number three? No, they weren't being flirty at all. They were just being nasty and looking to uh, start shit. How do you know, though? They didn't say anything to you, right? Did you talk to them? Like, did you say, hey? No, I said, excuse me. And then as I was going around them, that's when he got pissed and leveled his shoulder into me. But they never said anything to you? No, they were just glaring at me as I was trying to get around them. I don't know about this. So you didn't get hurt? I mean, I got knocked backwards, and I was, like, all worried that, you know, just had neck surgery not that long ago. I didn't know if that was going to get knocked out of place. Did it? No. There was, uh, there was a lesbian couple outside there that was asking me if I was all right. That's nice. You all right, buddy? <laughs> well, even if it was intentional and they were being mean, you know, uh, you shouldn't let it in your kitchen like that. The Advice Show. 
The Advice Show, the only show where the host needs advice. The Advice Show. This is my first time on The Advice Show. Yeah, it is. Can I tell you what you ought to do? What's that? Go back down there later with a stick (laughs) and beat the hell out of both of them. Do it. Do you remember what they look like? Yeah, a couple black guys. Oh! Okay! I got the perfect word for you. Matter of fact, I got two. I got two you can use. No, don't. Don't say it. You know what? I would, but you know what? Maybe you could feel it for them, Fez. They're <laughs> it's not Key and Peel. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded if it was them. Why wouldn't you mind it if it was them? Why can't you just let it go as a couple of drunk dudes yeah. out drinking? Because it just it felt like something like it was going to. All right, because well, I, I started thinking, what about me? That had, Raven? Tar- that had a target on him. <laughs> Were you wearing that Target shirt? No, I wasn't. I was wearing my gay shirt. You know you say you'd attacked three times the last two weeks, right? Yeah, well, the and one guy he- grabbed me from behind. Did he grab you behind? No, he grabbed my shoulder from behind. The other guy was just a nut in the elevator who backed his backpack right into me and le- leaned back on me up against the back of the elevator wall. That's not exactly an attack, backpack attack. Um, but here's the thing, Fuzz, and you got to remember this. Leslie came in here this week, right? Mm-hmm. She actually had someone snatch her purse at the ATM, mm-hmm. and she didn't take it personally. She just thought people out doing their damn you know thing. I know crime's rampant in this city now- nowadays. What do you mean it's nowadays? What? It's New York. It's, it's never been safer happens. than it is these days. They used to actually behead people. I ain't taking bowling. <laughs> We're offering a $60 bounty on the heads of these two colored homosexual boys. Why don't me, you, and Chris ride around in a truck down in the village and we see two black guys hugging, we'll jump out and start kicking them. Let's go. This is going to be hard to explain. Is that them, folks? Is that the Why motherfuckers? The- I knew it. Get their wallets. I'm ready. All my prejudices came right up to the surface. Oh, Jesus oh, no. Christ. That's not good. Fuck, oh, man. I'm sure they were never really that far off the surface. It's <laughs> good deep. Was one of them Michael Sam? No, it was not Michael Sam and his boyfriend. You should have been wearing a Michael Sam shirt. They're like, Michael Hill? Hmm. Mike, Massachusetts. Hey, Mike, where's Mikey at? And Mike, What's Mike. Up? Bennington, you sound like 2.5 mil or something. Oh, that's uh, nice. A little extra mil. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if you uh, happen to check out, I believe it was on Deadspin and this article with uh, Michael Sam's dad. He's a nice guy. He likes to get drunk at Applebee's and admire his son's bowls. No, I haven't read this uh, article. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. I guess he's got big ones. Hmm. And I'll uh, say, but don't the donk. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Here's a Matt in Q-Town. Pleasure. It's been to listen to half a day of Ronnie B on the radio. Oh, thanks. Fezzy, listen, you got to look at the bright side of the situation. You're focusing on the negatives. The bright side of the situation, you got touched by a gay guy. Step one, right? I got slammed into by a gay guy. Some guys like it rough. It's whatever you're into. That's true. You know, and and also I have to apologize to Hicks. I called yesterday. I called you a bag of shit. I asked you who you were picking. You're picking the dolphins. You picked right. 
but you're still a bag of shit. No, you're a bag of shit, all right? You would have made some money if you listened to me. <clears throat> Dolphins minus four. They pulled it out. How's daddy betting this week? All right. First of all, Gino's 28 and 12 over the season. That's 70% against the spread. Gino Bisconte should give him his props, and you can get these. Incredible picks that he has up on the entire bank today. Gino sexy picks. This week he has Texans at Browns. Take the Browns at minus three. Ugh. Seahawks at Chiefs. The Seahawks are getting two. He's saying take the Seahawks at plus two. Bengals at Saints. Take the Bengals at plus seven. In, in the ones. <laughs> yeah, it's all making me nervous. Every bet's making me nervous. And Steelers at Titans. Take the Steelers at minus six. That's Monday night. Steelers are minus six. Going into Tennessee. You don't know what Steelers team you're going to get. There's two of them. Titans are bad, though. So are the Jets. Yeah, you never know. It doesn't matter whether they're good or bad. Playing The Steelers actually play worse against worse teams. They ought to call themselves the Pittsburgh Mirrors. And we're just going to mirror the team against us. Well, I'm glad... Um, we fixed Fez, though. That's good. Now, do you know uh, Sarah Schaefer, the comedian? Mm-hmm. What's her, what's her favorite bet that you do, that she does? Oh, I don't know. Do you know her, then? Well, she, uh, she had the show on MTV. Oh, she does a lies podcast. Um, she said that uh, a guy on the bus put a finger in her butt. God. Damn. How close was she sitting next to this guy, huh? Uh, you know, you're going to have to listen to her podcast, not go by I me. Am. You know what I mean? I am. I don't want to give away somebody's bit. That's like you with a movie. The other day goes like this. Oh, he was telling somebody, he goes, you never saw The Godfather? He goes, stay to the end, where Michael takes over everything and just <laughs> slams the door in his wife's face. You'll never see it coming. Yeah. Oh, don't get up and pee when he's going to the toll booth. It looks like it's going to be boring. I'll just say this. Bang, 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 bang. A sister of theirs does not get saved. That sister of theirs don't get yeah, saved. Yeah, he was going to save his sister from getting the beating. Uh, it was actually a setup to I get know. him to come over. Say you thought your little thing, you thought your little foss could fool a Corleone? Did you really believe that? Michael, please. Please, Michael. Oh, Michael's the best. Michael. He was a pretty boy, though, huh, wasn't he? Marine sniper. David, Rochester. Hey, buddies. How we doing today? Cool. I, I want to check in. I signed up for the Thanksgiving dinner. I haven't heard anything yet. I want to make sure that kid touching Marble Mouth Centaur hasn't dropped the ball on this as well. When are you going to send out the people that have been accepted for the Thanksgiving show, Chris? Over the weekend, everyone will get, will get their invites. Over the weekend and through the, the woods, woods to Grandmother's house we go. It's going to be great. But yes, there's, there's a lot of invites to go through. You know what we ought to do? Is uh, follow Fez around town like that woman that was walking around town that people were saying hi to oh, yeah. and how upset she was? And it could be Fez, just people slamming him up against stuff. He fucking seems like he lives in uh, roller derby. You think they attacked you because you're, you're older? Cause... <laughs> well, you think them? it was a silver attack? Yeah, absolutely. I'm prematurely gray. Silver alert. Mm, no, just one time. Accurately gray? <laughs> You don't like gays, you think, because gays don't like people that are that look like you. Yeah, I, that's where my prejudice comes in. It's everything I worry about if I took a young gay guy home, that I get slammed up against the wall. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hot. Get some. 
Get some of that dick. Well, there are uh, gay guys who look like you. There are gay guys who are your age. Maybe Disgusting. That I'm not attracted to. Oh, no. You're only attracted to somebody that will beat you up and watch wrestling. Probably one of these gay twinks you bring home will just try to put you in a figure four. Yeah, what about Lemon Party? Those guys are all older. <laughs> they have a great time. <laughs> I mean, they're going at it. I went to a lemon party. I had me a lot of fun. Don't look Two black up. twinks walked up on me. <laughs> Punched me in the gut. I went home, started crying. <laughs> then I shit my pants. Oh. You did? At least yeah. I got a bit for the air. Make it all about me. That should be fun, though. Let's get down there and get even with those guys. Get them. <laughs> <sighs> He's what? just putting up lemon parties. <laughs> You know who I think that you were fucking dealing with was the Ducky Boys from the Wanderers. <laughs> you, you're probably living in the old Bronx. You don't even know it. Well, that was your bit, though, Fez? Yes, that was my story of but terror that, from last night. Was that part of you? They're like, oh, I can use this on the air. Like, even when it was happening? You know what the best part of that story was? What's that? When you spun around and fucking smacked them both in the back of the head with Jack Daniels bottle. <laughs> and said, you just done. fucked with the wrong lemon. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just like pull out a knife and go like this? Sometimes lemons bite. They're like, what? You know, like the lemon bite. No, no, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> when life gives you lemons, <laughs> you make lemon AIDS. <laughs> no. Oh. That's, that's not when good. life gives you lemons, you give lemons AIDS. No. That's yeah. saying, God. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Did part of you think that you were going to say something racial? Yes. Absolutely. Please don't. And that would have helped how, Fizz? It wouldn't have. It would have got me slammed again, if not harder. Do I need to take you to Y for boxing lessons? <laughs> Could you take care of my boy for me, please? <laughs> He's out here in these, ma- in these mean streets, and he doesn't know a damn thing about fisticuffs. Sure, leave him here, lady. We'll turn him into a murdering fool. I don't know, Fizz. There's something about you. that You're giving off a stink right now. And can I just say something? Mm-hmm. Someone in this building said to me that they could smell your bad breath when they were behind you. Who said that? I shouldn't say. Tell me. I don't want to, because then you'll feel sad about it. I want you just looking at each person and wondering if it's them. Oh, I will. It's not me. do 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 I just think that if we, and you know, normally you're videotaped in New York. I just have the feeling if we went back and watched this tape, we wouldn't really see this aggressive thing. We probably would see some drunk people bumping into somebody. Pull the tape. Lewis, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I have a theory for Fez. Uh, Fez, you ever thought that maybe you're becoming invisible? I wondered about it at one point. Hey, Jay, you're on the run of the show. 
<laughs> What's up? Uh, what was that chick that uh, got her kids? She killed her kids. She blamed it on black guy. Because if you remember Frez's tranny story, also probably made up, that was a black individual as well. And I'm noticing. Oh yeah, the, bl- the black tranny pulled on your mustache. Pulled on my mustache. Yeah. And then there was another one who like just screamed in my face. Another one what? <laughs> a black transgender person. A two? Yeah. Seems Mind like you're you, big you trouble. Have to come to the West Village. Well, how come all, you've got all these black problems, Florida boy? Uh, there weren't black people in my neighborhood, I guess, when I lived in Florida. Well, there are now, though, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> was said. she performing when she pulled on your mustache? Or it was just like at a bar and. No, it was on the sidewalk. Oh. <laughs> uh, Mike Lawrence's uh, set. Uh, from late night with Seth Meyers is up uh, on the Interbang. He destroyed last night, killed it, did great. Go check that one out. Mike Lawrence, a very very funny guy, has done this show a couple of times, right? He's, he's done it once. Only once. Just once with Mike Lawrence, yeah. Well, we should have him back again because he's a very funny man. Um, and uh, the New England Patriots are in some kind of trouble, right? Yeah, they have some Twitter problems. They uh, they were had their okay. So this is what happens: they're giving out personalized digital jerseys to their followers, and people can get stuff tweeted. And some people are tweeting m bombs onto them onto there. It's like they'll print out like your picture, like a, a picture of your jersey with at your name, and then they tweeted out one with an m bomb on it. So someone tweeted to them, or the the Patriots tweeted out. The Patriots tweeted it out by mistake. Who says a mistake? Oh, I hope I hope it was a mistake. <laughs> then we have to take it as a mistake as the person who did it made a mistake. If we're giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. It was I hate ends. Yeah. I hate ends. That's terrible. It was the actual message they tweeted. I hate ends. Thanks for helping us become the first NFL team with a million followers. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It, they were bamboozled. I despise you, New England Patriots. They're just the worst. They don't like black people. Fez, you like the Patriots because they have a gay quarterback? I didn't know they had a gay quarterback. Yeah. Brady. <laughs> uh, Flaming. It's the give and take. That's He the, loves it. Takes Brady. us to the top of the charts. Him and Wes Welker used to go at it. Jason in California. Yeah, Ronnie, how's it going? It's none of your goddamn business, you know, is it, Jason? Uh, that's what I thought. That's, what that's I thought. between me and hey, the Lord. Gonna, okay. I was going to say Fed sounds like Rain Man, and he should carry a journal marking all the times he's hurt, but um, I just want to start singing a song. Fez has mean black gays in his neighborhood, in his neighborhood, in his neighborhood. Oh, who are the gay mean black friends in his neighborhood? And they're stepping on his feet when he's walking down the street. <laughs> Because he's not a twink. Um, 11, 11, 14, pushed by two gays. That happened. 11, 10, 14, backpack in the elevator, almost killed me. 11, 9, interns ran next to my feet. (laughs) He used to, if the interns walked by him, and this is like 14 years ago... Like he was moving his feet and all upset. And then I say like this, Fez, if you do that again, if you do the grandmom feet again, I'm going to fucking bite your toes off. (laughs) 
and he hasn't done it in 14 years. It never bothers him anymore. He wants to keep those toes. Well, then maybe you shouldn't eat so many milk duds. <laughs> well, he's diabetic, and I caught him with milk duds the other day. And I said, Fez, you shouldn't eat those milk duds. And he said to me, but they're so sweet. The sweetness is what I like about them. Yeah. They're so sweet. <laughs> Too sweet. <laughs> Let's get him. It's that old guy with the giant mustache. That's <laughs> all every gay guy in his neighborhood. Hey, pops, where are you off to? You don't really like the gays too much, huh? Not today, I don't. No. I don't think any day. You won't date them because you're afraid they'll kill you. You don't mingle with them. Well, that's because they won't talk to me. Except to slam into me. Find a group of gay buddies. Friends. Just friends. Like, let's pretend that we're all gays and you step up and and to talk to us. And really try. Like, you know, seem like... uh, you want to be friends. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, girl. What's up, gay boy? Hey. Hey, sister. Uh, 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 can uh, I get you a drink? Uh, what, are you a waitress here? No, I was just going to offer to buy a round. I'll take a bottle of scotch. <laughs> hey, that's not You fair. may have a problem. You may have a problem paying up. Get to it. You might have a problem with kicking the shit out of you with our high heels. <laughs> Why would you offer a drink? I didn't even say we were in a bar. Well, I was just trying to think of anything to say. We're in the park. There's a liquor store across the street. Put it in a brown paper bag when you bring it back over here. You know, no matter what your sexuality, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> right, why don't, why don't you act like we're people in a park and you're just coming over to talk? Hi, everybody. Hi, girl. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Stop it with the everybody thing. Oh. That sounds like, seriously, it sounds like you're at Disney. Hi, I'm Fez. Who asked? <laughs> it's ha- r- really turning cold out this year, isn't it? I mean, this soon. Yeah, I can see that your giant manhole-covered nipples are hard, old man. <laughs> do you want to change? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah. Is this just small talk before the pitch? <laughs> By you bringing up the cold weather, that just mean that you're hiding a small dick? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say it. Now, why don't you run along, Miss Fazzy? <laughs> this is the most any gay people have talked to me. Oh. Now, why don't you really come over and try to talk to us? Like, we're in a restaurant. Hi, I saw that you, uh, that what you ordered, and that looks delicious. What is that called? <laughs> I may get that myself. That's called roll. my plate. Why don't you look on the menu and pick out your food? It's tap water. You shouldn't even say that to straight people. I know. It's disgusting. You mind if I lick off your plate? All right. Now we're all on the train. Seriously, try to talk to us like you're on the train. Yeah. All right, the subway. Yes, for yes, because you're just fresh here from Iowa. So yeah, that's what we meant. It's a bullet train. We're in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Gay Japanese people. We would love to be sassy gays. Life would be so much better. Um, have we gone, have we stopped at West 4th Street yet? I think I might have missed my stop. Oh, look, Grandma's lost. You need to pay attention, baby girl. (laughs) (laughs) 
The train's really packed today, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of weirdos coming up and talking to people. <laughs> the homeless problem's getting out of control. It is. It's the homo problem. <laughs> Did you see those window washers that got trapped up on the New World Trade Center the other day? The other day. It was a week ago. What are you, reading old newspapers out of the trash can? Um... I think I'm stuck here with these people on the train. What stop are you getting out at? You're the witty one, aren't you? <laughs> You're stuck. I wonder me. why he doesn't meet more gay people. <laughs> well, this is my stop. Would anyone like to get a cup of coffee? <laughs> In the subway? It's disgusting. <laughs> Ew. Disgusting. Ew. I'm going to get out at the next stop, whether it's mine or not. You should, <laughs> you should get out even if, it, if the train doesn't stop. No, We're in Flatbush. We're going to get murdered. <laughs> I'll get off here after piss. You want a drink? <laughs> you urinal? You walking urinal cake? So it's hard for you to meet gay people. Yeah. How long have you been out now? Um, I've been out three years. Oh, I um, I I, I ran into Michael and that guy that you hate. That's Michael's friend. Oh, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. He brings them to an unmasked. Yeah. That was his plus one. You didn't know that was going to be his plus one? No. How did it feel? Um, difficult. They came over and were joking to me about it. And I really? Got, yeah. They were like, this is Fez's... What did they say? This is Fez's nemesis. And then we all had a big laugh. <laughs> It really was funny to me. But those guys are two young, really cut dudes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're in very good shape. A little bit younger than me. Mm. Decades younger than you. <laughs> but only a couple of decades younger than me. And why aren't you friends with them? They, he went somewhere with them and they embarrassed... You embarrassed them or you did something at a dinner party? Yeah, there was a dinner party that went really, really bad. Where it was supposed to me, it was it was Michael trying to get me to meet people, mm -hmm. uh, gay people, and then the dinner conversation was just a disaster. Didn't you trash the Liberace movie and they That's all liked it? Where they loved the Behind the Candelabra on HBO, mm -hmm. and I didn't like it at all, and threw that out there, and then it was just like dead silence the rest of the meal. How could you? And that was during the salad. So during your salad days. During one of the early courses. So it was quiet for pretty much a long time. But then you were like, you ripped that guy on the air and everything about the way you didn't like him. And then Michael brings him to the thing. Yeah. But you had to give Chris's number, his name. Well, I I don't know his last name, so I didn't know. Well, you know his first name. Yeah. So you had to know it was him. I guess I did. I guess I just didn't pay attention. But it was just weird seeing them. I think he's coming back today, too. 
I don't. Uh, the other guy shouldn't be coming back today. Yeah, they both are. Yeah, I put him really. In the, I put him in the system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah then guy. he was contacting Chris without letting me know. They want to get some. It's gonna be trouble. It's gonna be pretty awkward. To be honest, you guys in the same room together again. I'm gonna look out for you because I'm gonna get shot. The advice show. <laughs> Did you hear he got shoved the other day? Fez. Um, hey, Rob, you're on the Run Fez show. Ronnie B., um, these people that uh, accosted Fez, uh, do they look similar to the uh, two uh, gay thugs that robbed uh, Kramer of his armoire? Uh, I don't. You know, I wouldn't accuse anything. I mean, I understand that Fez is trying to attack a minority inside a minority today. But, you know, here's what I worry about with Fez. Fez is turning into Stephen Carell in Foxcatcher. Like, you know, he used to be the, the guy from The Office. I'm talking about Fez. Yeah. And now he's suddenly like, what are you doing with him? Are you wrestling? I'll come back here with a gun and shoot everybody. Well, watch God. you wrestle. That We're comes DuPonts. Out. We intermarry so we can keep our money. It's up on the iBank today. It's a filled with excellence. That comes out. Filled with excellence? Filled with excellence. Hey, everybody. It's filled with excellence. It's that Southern Story accent coming out again. And the Banksy documentary comes out at HBO tonight, too. About his time in New York City when he had his residence. See where the Foo Fighters are going to be tonight, too. I got to keep up on that. Yeah. That part of Full of Excellence? Did you call it? It's Full of Excellence. <laughs> what are you looking at, Chris? I'm looking for the Foo Fighters Sonic Highways episode tonight. Here's uh, Cigars and Scotch. Hey, whenever you guys do those play acting improv sessions, it should be referred to as the Uptight Citizens Brigade. It does. I've never seen improv with so much dead air. <laughs> I'll play the part of Fez and you guys be the train guys. Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi, girl. What's up, girl? Once. Hello? Hello? Can I get you a drink? We're on the subway, though. <clears throat> Excuse me, stranger. <clears throat> What stop is this? We're in the gay stop? We're in between stops. <laughs> We're stuck in the goddamn tunnel, actually. Oh. <laughs> you didn't notice the train wasn't moving? Mm-mm. I thought it was moving. What, why are you whispering? <laughs> oh. oh, do you hope the train moves again? No, I plan to live here. Like a troll person. Ugh. Los Angeles. They're in Los Angeles tonight. Los Angeles, California. Home of the doors. That'll be a good one. Uh, yeah, this should be good. I'm, I wonder what he's... Is he going with doors or the birds? He's recording a Joshua, Chee, dro, Joshua Tree's oh, legendary Rancho de, de la Luna. Look up a Gosha Gigi. <laughs> All right, look. I, I Welcome to Gosha Gigi, everybody. Joshua Tree's hard that looks like to say. 
<laughs> Joshua Tree is harder than it looks like to say. Yes, that's what I. That's yes. Think what you just said there. Joshua Tree is harder than it looked like to say. All right, maybe it doesn't make sense. No. What do you read? There He's back to me. Fucking babbling of a mad dog. There are a lot of vowels in. Yeah. Joshua Tree. Thank more you. now than ever before. <laughs> now with more vowels. Look how much they love L.A. It's so good to be back in L.A. Out of shitty Nashville. <laughs> Nothing's going on there. I am. I'm a one-way motorway. I love the Foo Fighters. They're great. What's not to love? Okay. You know I mean? Then, then why didn't they sell 330 million copies? Because every single American loves them. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in history, a band has sold an album to every single man, woman, and child in the United States of America, including, according to our numbers, coma victims. I'm sorry, that was just comma and then victims. (laughs) 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 Uh, That was fucking fast, huh, Fez? That was very quick. Thanks, buddy. You got your, uh, you got your wire there? Yeah. Good. Uh, we got a break here a little bit. I know you got to take off, Jay, and a little later on. Uh, what time is Jack getting here? Mm, one. Do think, you think Jack will ever want to hop on the Bennington show with us? I think uh, he might. What do you do it, really? I don't know. I'll run it by him. I don't know. Anything that keeps Hicks off the air is great. Oh, right, after I butchered Joshua Tree. I didn't even notice. You did? Yeah, it came out. It was prominent because I couldn't say it. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've ever said on the air? Oh, man. Probably some of the incest talk. Where I've said that, you know, incest is acceptable. You have oh, said boy. that, yeah. Oh, well, boy. there's a tier. There's tiered. There's a, a tier of incest. You said it's fine between two brothers, I remember. Yeah, I mean, brother and sister are almost expected. The worst is father-daughter. Yes, <laughs> mother son isn't you know as bad. weird what? that you would say that to a father and oh, daughter. I didn't so that's how that. awkward you are. I believe you. That's the said worst that. fucking thing I think I've ever. There we go. I've said, I found the worst fucking thing I've this said. I remember the worst thing I've ever said. It was about seven years ago where I go, yeah, I think Chris Stanley would be a great addition. Let's bring him on board. <laughs> I've really only been on the air three times, but. Maybe it's my Columbine joke last. <laughs> what was your Columbine joke? Um, I think I was saying that someone asked me if I liked an artist, and I said yes, I did, and like the Columbine, admitting to <laughs> admitting to loving God or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, it was the uh, yes, yes, I do, because it was about like uh, it was about Neil Young. It, yeah, someone had asked me if I liked Neil Young, like as it was an insulting thing. <laughs> I hate when anyone runs down, Brother Neil. Me too. I'm ready to fight over it. I'm ready to make off-color jokes. I will do it for him. An off-color joke, is that racist? Because mm. it's off-color? Must be. I think it's about Four color minutes to break. <laughs> Chris just wrote that up to us. That that up. so helpful. You gotta run the uh, breaks exactly today so that we can... Yes, everything's the- on time. You gotta make the trains run on time for the Fez bits. Hey, make sure you go over to the iBang and come uh, check out a Comics Life 
different rooms. This is our buddy, right? Yeah, Dan Perlman. Dan Perlman wrote this up. And he also he has a show happening next Wednesday, the 19th, at, called Hindsight at the Stand Up New York Labs. It's at 8 p.m. Stand Up New York Labs, the Hindsight show hosted by our buddy Dan Perlman. What is that about? The Hindsight show. They talk about um, it's, it's storytelling. It's a storytelling show. Uh, storytelling with the comedians these days. They love stone stories. Yeah. It's a free show. And well worth it. That's my opinion. Yeah, they get him to stop in again sometime. I will. I'll hit him up via email or possibly even text. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. Here we are in a whole new millennium. Yeah. Fed you rocking the cold finally? The cold that me and Hicks have had for I think I might be getting it. Like I woke up like just coughing. Well, how did it start with you guys? Well, two black guys punctured our lungs. <laughs> I've got that. <laughs> Salty in Utah. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, man. My God, take the breath, right, Mark. I got my bowling ball right now. I'm going to kill my bell. Don't do it, Salty. We're no. here from you. There's, no, been a, there's been a lot of bowling suicides. <laughs> bowling suicide hotline. How may we help you? I'm on the lane right now, Molly, man. I'm Don't do it, Salty. <laughs> Every once in a while, we all end up in the gutter. But who knows? Maybe tomorrow is another strike, and then another strike, and then a turkey. That's three strikes. I like turkey. I want you to watch a movie. It's called Kingpin. And it's about a guy who's going to kill himself. And then he becomes friends with an Amish person. Okay? Is it is Dean Munson like being Stanley? Yes. No. Sometimes life can pin us down. All right? Thank you, Ronnie B. It feels like we can't get a solid break. And it splits us apart. <laughs> but you never know. Sometimes you get a spare moment and then strike back. You know? You know what I mean? <laughs> Day nighting! Salty! Salty! He's gone. I think he's going to be okay. I held him in my hands. And he's gone. These hands that were once so strong. Salty just slipped through them. We well, got to take a break here. Uh, Gail, thanks for stopping in. Thanks First so crossover for, show we've I ever know. had. Oh, this is awesome. Know? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, for Fez, this is like when the Beverly Hillbillies showed up at Petticoat Junction. That was crazy. And, yeah, here Fez was, only 40 years old, just sitting there. <laughs> Gone last week, it was in black and white, now it's in color. Uh, so we'll break here. But thanks a lot for stopping by today, Gail. It was thanks really so fun. much, guys. And uh, we'll be back coming up in a, a little bit. Unmasked with the Fairley Brothers, after 20 years, they made a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. It's the Ron and Fez Show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits. Channel 99. This show is available on SiriusXM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand for details. 
It wouldn't be the holidays without Bing, Nat, and Andy. Happy holidays. The timeless music of Christmas is now playing on Holiday Traditions. Sirius Channel 147, XM73. Over on Holly. It's the next generation of Christmas classics. Find it on Channel 17. Enjoy the sounds of the season now. Commercial free on Sirius XM. More holiday channels coming soon. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-353-9057. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems, and if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about $100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. Call Term Provider at 800-353-9057. That's 800-353-9057. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-353-9057. 800-353-9057. This week on Comedy Dynamics Monday, it's the new release from Kim Coles, Funny 55. I'm going to share with you the first time I had my first hot flash. Uh, I was standing in line at Target. I told you the residual checks have slowed down. Don't you judge me. Funny 50 Fine from Kim Coles. Monday, 7 p.m. East on Raw Dog Comedy Hits 99. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. NASCAR Sprint Cup is at fever pitch. 36 races comes down to this final one at Homestead Miami Speedway. We can win this championship. Where one champion will be crowned. Yeah! Off track fights lead to an all out war. Hear it play out with Sirius XM's Driver to Crew Channel. Knocking the door, break it down. Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. Hey guys, if you're into fantasy football, you'll want to hear this. These new one-week fantasy football leagues at FanDuel.com are the hottest thing in fantasy sports. At FanDuel, you play in one-week fantasy football leagues for real money with immediate cash payouts. And with no season-long commitment, you only play when you want. And get this, there's a 36-year-old guy in Detroit named Chris Prince who's won over $656,000 playing at FanDuel. Damn! And he's not alone. Over 278,000 people have already won money playing in these one-week fantasy leagues at FanDuel.com. FanDuel's so big that they're paying out $10 million every week this football season. And right now, FanDuel is giving you up to $200 free. That's right. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to $200. But hurry, this offer expires this Friday. The only way to get up to $200 free is to go to FanDuel.com. Click the microphone in the upper right corner and use the promo code FOOTBALL1. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Promo code FOOTBALL, the number one. It's time 
The DaveSmith.com Big Finish of 2014 event is on. We are the world's largest Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram dealer. Why are we number one? We offer you a huge selection with over 2,500 vehicles to choose from. We offer you a great experience and low prices on every new Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram. Call 800-635-8000 or go to DaveSmith.com and enter to win a new 2015 Ram Diesel 2500 SLT 4x4. Come yo. on, son. This is Ed Love. Yo, Y'all yo, might remember yo. me from your own TV rest. Hip-hop has always been my sister, my cousin, my baby, and my lover. Hip-hop is everything to me. When you listen to the Ed Lover show on Backspin, you're going to get some Run DMC, Snoop, and LL Cool J. Jay. And some of the stuff that these artists say when they sit down for me... You will never believe it. Wow. It's the Ed Lover Show. Brand new time, y'all. 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. on the East. 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. on the West. Backspin. Classic hip-hop. From the 80s and the 90s. Channel 46 and on the SiriusXM app. The college basketball season is here. Harrison got three on the left wing. It's good. And the only 24-7 radio channel dedicated to college sports is on Sirius XM. Get John Calipari lead Kentucky back to the national championship. What we're going to do this year has never been done before, never tried. Or will Arizona, Duke, or Kansas win it all? Inside, slam dunk by Turk. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Comedy hit. Channel 99. Yeah, buddies. It's the Ron and Fez show. Coming up a little later on, it's Unmasked with the Fairley Brothers. Dumb and Dumber comes out today in theaters everywhere. I don't care where you're at right now. You can go see Dumb and Dumber. You can't avoid it. Well, I guess if you just go... From your car to your house, you can avoid it. But if you want the theaters, no. Then you can't avoid it. Very excited. Love the Dumb and Dumber. We all do. Speaking of dumb, the president of Fox uh, Television mm-hmm. said that kids today are smarter than they have ever been. I can't imagine that to be true. Well... Um, well, what would make a you think it wasn't true? Because I think with things that are disappearing from classrooms, like penmanship and things like spell check and other things like that, I don't think kids are as smart. Well, I don't, uh, and you know, first of all, I never thought of penmanship as making you smart. I don't know whether you've seen a fucking doctor's handwriting. But it looks like scribbling. I have negative IQ if you it know? goes by handwriting. So the reality would be, what is smart to a person? You know, the fact of it is, uh, when you were in, this is over the fifth grader thing? Yeah. When you were in fifth grade, could you operate a keyboard and a computer? Absolutely not. So, what do you think is probably more important in the world today? Understanding how to get information or having good penmanship for something that you wouldn't even... I don't know who you would send your penmanship to today. You know what I mean? It'd look freakish. Like, I can't imagine that any kid would even send a letter to Grandma. I I just think that when you have the computer to do the research for you... You get more done. 
Yeah, but are you learning anything in the process, or are you just amassing okay, data? Uh, uh, well, I don't know if they amass data, but if you think that retaining information in your mind, right, like memorizing dates is a better use for your brain than it is just going, hey, where do I find that information, and, and here it is now. Just think of how much we had to sit around and just memorize dates. It's ridiculous to make kids do that now. And no one ever said, he's really smart, he's memorized dates. To me, the way to figure out whether you're smart or not is can you problem solve? Can a problem come up that you can solve. Well, it's really impressive. I've like you know this Minecraft video game is like really popular among like younger kids, mm-hmm. and now that game is now there's like little kids like writing computer code for the game, and it's not it's not like con- it's, right. it's everywhere. Every every little kid who plays is like, oh, I can make my own stuff. It's impressive. I think the kids are their skill sets change. I think that's all that's happened. You're you're completely right about that. So. You're not, first of all, I don't even know if anyone thought somebody was smart because they were able to write something down in beautiful penmanship. You were probably considered smart if you could remember facts. But remembering facts is not the same as problem solving. But would you throw in street smarts with that too? Um where I think, like, I, I think a Depression era kid well, I, may have been smarter than anyone because he was able to handle things at home, but you, you, and gotta, then also go to school at the same time. Okay, but that's, I mean, first of all, as far as street smarts, I never remember getting any fucking credit in school for having street smarts. But you are, you're looking at two different things. It doesn't. You're being measured against today. You know what I mean? To be a Depression-era kid today would be a ridiculous thing to be. You have to be a person in this venue today. You'd be a child out of time. Well, I think in the context of this game show, when they're testing whether some, you know, the kids versus the adults on factual knowledge... I don't think kids today would have more factual knowledge just just by going by the game show uh, parameters. I tell you, I wouldn't want to go up against a bunch of fifth graders. I'd probably get my shit stomped. They know a lot more about math than adults do. They know a lot more about <laughs> math than I do. <laughs> I can barely function. I know. Here's what used to happen to me. If there was any test I took, two days later I forgot it anyway. That's why cramming's so bad. That's why kids do it before a test. It's like, all right, they pass that test the next day, but then something, nothing's retained. They're not like using that knowledge. Like, uh, this is what I would do. Like, suppose you were the teacher, right? Yeah. And like, ask me like when Columbus came to, to this, you know, whatever. Uh, when did Columbus come to America, Mister Bangton? <laughs> That's a trick question, my friend. Uh, that is a trick <laughs> question because there was no America. When he got there. So you lose. I'm out. I know what I'm doing. Look at this penmanship. I came up with a giant B and then small case B. I like the penmanship, kid. Now I did a backwards R and made it like a little brand for myself. Boom. And you want to know fucking street smarts. Somewhere on my body, I have a knife. Okay. Leave it at that. That's threatening, son. That's right. That's exactly right. Remember I'm, that when you're filling out my grades. I'm calling 
school security. You know what? We never had school security. Really? Yeah, there was even a thing where there was a what we used to what they used to refer to as a race riot in my school, and the police weren't even permitted to come in. They would not allow the police to come on school property. That's something. There was somewhat of a separation of in those days. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know what it was. We didn't have school security, but we did have what they called penmanship. We had that definitely. We had what they, I guess, a campus police officer. It was a cop who lived on the the school grounds in a double talk- wide. I remember you talking about that before. That sounds very um, Florida. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Florida. We never we never saw the police officer though. He was just living in a tra- in a free trailer down by the river. Kids, if you don't have good penmanship, that could be you. And by the way, you're calling it a double wide? I bet it was a single wide. <laughs> Stop embellishing. I don't, I think the double wide is even overrated. I think once you get into a single wide, you're like, this is wide enough. I'm not. I hope not to live here that long. Oh, you know, all I'm saying is Airstream is underrated because that just oh, looks cool. I agree cool. with you. I think, I think Airstreams are beautiful. Oh, it's just a giant chrome trailer. It looks amazing. There's something about it. This is gorgeous to me. It's like you're living in a diner down by the river. So you think you could beat a fifth grader? Yeah, I could beat a fifth grader. I can't imagine you beating a first grader. Maybe on penmanship. I'll you kill remember, them in penmanship. You remember the last time you sent a letter? No, I can't remember. Last time I sent a letter, I cut out all the different letters from magazine. Never got traced back to me. Okay. It sounds like uh, kidnapping. Does it? Or a ransom. Hmm. Last time I sent a letter, I was in elementary school, and they made us become pen pals. And I sent it to some some kid named Colin in England. I never got anything back. I had to send one out, too, like that. But I think ours was Mexico City. I remember it exactly. Dear Juan, blow me. Yeah, that's a weird thing, though. A guy named Juan. And then I drew a picture of a penis. If I want to be honest, it was much larger than my own. I'll be honest again. It's much larger than any... Homo sapiens penis. <laughs> Gigantic. The last letter I wrote was to Bird's Eye. I complained because I found a giant hair in my frozen broccoli. Let's see. You think the kids today are not as smart as when you were a child, and you send out letters <laughs> to large companies. I think you're about the hippest rapping granny out there today. Kids love bird's eyes, frozen peas. It already proves that you're stupider than the fifth grader. My mom would send letters all the time. She sent letters to like tuna fish companies when like we got like a defective can and we mm-hmm. got like a shitload of free bumblebee tuna. It worked for her. Yeah, because she was going through the fucking supermarket with a tiny ball peen hammer in her part- <laughs> purse, just fucking banging out things. Hey, she fed the family, didn't she? Did she? Yeah. She was an awful cook, though. Was she? Oh, really bad. My grandmother was good, but my mom burnt everything. It was so. Comical. Even when you were a child, you knew that your mom was a bad cook. Yeah, I knew because, uh, like, because I my grandmother would cook, yeah. and it would be good food. 
But then my mother would cook some days, and it would it was a noticeable drop down. It was a noticeable drop in quality. It was just the opposite for me. I thought my mother was a fantastic cook, but then if I was at my cousin's or at my grandmother's house, I'm like, uh, no, I'm not that hungry. <laughs> and it's because of your food. It doesn't taste good. And then they would come up swinging. <laughs> a lot of fighting. Yeah. My grandmother had a temper. It's okay. Mm. My grandmother was a good cook, but her food just but wasn't... in bed. Wasn't, wasn't, <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> her food was great tasting, but it was... Less the, filling? It was the I'm most... I'm like an asshole. It was the most unattractive food you would ever met. Everything... You're going to eat it, not fucking fez. Everything had a gray tint to it. I don't know what she was cooking with. Then how could it taste good? It actually, it would look awful, uh, but then taste great. Her spaghetti sauce would look gray. And then it tastes good? Yeah. You sound like you've never eaten with Italians in your life. No, these were newfies. Coming up in just a little while, the Fairley Brothers, and I'm told... Miss Isabella Rossellini? The beautiful and talented Miss Isabella Rossellini. Well, this is, I believe, her third time with us? Yeah, third time. And she's doing the Green Porno Live tour. This is the nuttiest tour that's ever happened. You can see her uh, tonight in Philadelphia at the World Cafe Live. And then they're claiming Carnegie Hall in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Did you check this with yes, them? Yes, there's a Carnegie Hall in Pittsburgh. All right. Have it your way. Um, my mother is causing some Thanksgiving trouble. I've had, we've had. Wait, wait. Let me just, let me just try to go. What's the exact opposite of a shocked face? Yeah, this is it right here. I am not shocked that your mom is causing trouble. Let's see if we can guess it first. Though. Okay. Um, I'm gonna. Th I've I've got it narrowed down to two. Okay. Um. The granddaughter is pregnant, or the mustache son is a gay gay. Chris, what do you got? What's the I trouble? I thought she was up on arson charges, and maybe she is going to do a bid. If only. <laughs> Fez would finally be proven right. Because, <laughs> by the way, all you'll hear is horror stories from him, and yet I've never seen her be anything but delightful. A sweet delight. She likes you. Yeah, and you know who she reminds me of? Who? Aunt B. Oh, God, that sounds great. So, so which one of us was right? Is it arson? Uh, her son is a gay guy, no, or arson, the arson, granddaughter arson, is arson. pregnant. It's arson. Really? I am on a fucking hot streak. Why didn't you bet? Because it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked if I bet. It's the pregnant granddaughter. Mm. Worried about the water breaking at Thanksgiving? Well, uh, the pregnant granddaughter was off. Has just moved into a new home with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Was going to offer to do Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, that's so nice! That's pretty cool. Because well, they have the new place. You guys ought to go. Yeah, my mother's not walking through that front door. Um, my nephew and his girlfriend—they just bought their first house together. They offered to do Thanksgiving. Now, why wouldn't the, why wouldn't everybody stay together? Well, it's 
it was a situation of both offering right around the same time of who's going to do. We didn't know where we were going to go, so one person said, "I'll do it." Another person said, "I'll do it." My mother does not want to walk through any of those sin thresholds. Oh, either one? Yeah. Oh, Damn. because he's not married yet. Because they're living together. Oh. Well, why don't she sit at home and eat some gray turkey for herself? Because <laughs> Grandma's not around anymore to cook it. Oh, I can't keep up with all the details of this. So what are you doing? Staying with your mom? Um, I think we're all going out to eat together. Oh. I think we're going to have a restaurant Thanksgiving. No, hold on. Did she realize that she's still with two centers? That's fine, but she's not walking into... If she walks through the door... All right, let me just say this She condones it. I would not put up with this shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, here's where we're going, and if you don't like it... Maybe it's just a fucking bluff. You know, I think she'll end up going anyway. I agree 100%. Yeah. She'll sit there with her pocketbook on her lap (laughs) next to Fez with his pocketbook on his lap. But that shit of... Oh, this person isn't... Look, here's the one thing that you don't get out of family. Perfection. No one is hanging out with the perfect family. That doesn't fucking matter. If you want to be the person who says, I'm not going there, that's your choice. But you guys make it, okay, then we can't go. Because she holds some power over us. Yeah, that happens all the time. I think. Why don't you stand up? We'll either go out to eat or my mother will try to do Thanksgiving herself. Why wouldn't you say, I'm sorry, I've been invited to my niece's house, and since she's pregnant and starting a new life, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all went there? Because then that's just going to upset my niece that my grandmother isn't there. She'd rather have the meal with her, and she's in a fragile mental state being pregnant anyway. Why are you fragile men- state for pregnant? I've never heard anyone of being in a crazy mental state. Uh, you don't understand. Uh, don't let her have anything sharp. She's pregnant. I don't know, Fuzzy. All the time, you come up with, ever since I've known you, you come up with these mother problems, but I think that you play into them, and you help this become the the peace. And you know why? Why? You're addicted to chaos. You're addicted to, oh, everything is not okay. Look at Chris Stanley. He don't have anybody in the whole goddamn world. Lone wolf right here. You know what I mean? Why can't you, why won't you rise up? And be the adult of your family. No one has shifted in to that position that your dad was in before and said, look, there's a man here and his name is the big cat. All right. And this is what we're doing. You, you ought to say this. I may have gay sex with other man's penises, but I'm Fez Watley and I know what's right. And it's right that we go to the bastard child's house. Because I'll tell you somebody else who had a child out of wedlock. The Virgin Mary. That's all I'm saying. That was not Joseph's kid. J.C., baby. That's right. J.C. Jr. But J.C. Sr. was the father of God. (laughs) And if you made a speech like that, your whole family would probably... A, they'd probably go, what? And then B, they'd say, you know what? A gay guy will lead us. 
a gay guy named Fred Watley. Fez. Fez Watley. Fred Fez. Fred. Fred. I'll have to see what I can do about this. Why do you say that? Why won't you just do it? Why would you put us off? This is your time. Call your mom on the air right now and say, I've had it with your bullshit. I don't care if you come or not, but we're going to be at our bastard's house and then going to the other bastard's house. It's a bastard twofer. Hey, she's come into your house before, right? Yeah. You're gay. How is that worse than living in sin with another person? It can't be, right? Yeah. Why don't you just say this? They, this is our family. And so what if they're not married, but a penis goes into a vagina? And then back and forth, back and forth. Until that friction creates right. an orgasm. Yeah. And this time, the orgasm is going to get spilt on the floor. So love it. Live it or love it. You calling her? Are you calling her right now? Let's talk that shit no, to her. I'm not going to call is her right now. Is this the day that Big Fred stands up? It's Fez. Fez, you won't stand up to your mother. You won't stand up to me. Who are you going to stand up to? I don't know. Why you tell me off for Thanksgiving right now? Why would what? I tell you off for Thanksgiving? I love you. What's your beef with me? You Drop love the- your mother, too. Your love is cheap, my friend. Drop the other F-bomb, just for fun. <laughs> you would better- Why would I do that? <laughs> That's not going to help anything. Why don't you just tell me off? I'll sit here and take it. I have nothing to tell you off about. Oh, of You're the you nicest do. person in my life. That would be the saddest thing that one human being could ever say about another. And that also makes me think that you're a liar. Because Michelle with one L <laughs> is in your life, and she's very nice to you. Yeah, but I, I don't have anything to tell her off about either. No one said you did. You just said I was the nicest person in your life. I'm sure I'm not even in the top 20. If we were counting down the hits, if they said, oh, tomorrow, uh, get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, there's going to be a list of all the nice people... I'd sleep in because I would already know I'm not making that list. Go ahead, Fess. Let me have it. I don't have Both anything fucking to say. Today is the day for Thanksgiving. Um, you I get a fucking free shot. Take me out. I don't think you should tell me to call my mom. That's just another thing that you're fearful about. And you should call your mom. You really should. You ought to stand up. Get up. Stand up. Stand up for your rights. That's what you need to do, above all else. Tell, tell Chris Stanley off right now. What do you guys say to me, Fez? I think it's gross when you eat trail mix that you found on the floor. It was sealed, man. Come on. What's Can I tell you something, open? You crossed the fucking line. There. Right? I mean, you, you crossed s- the line. Sealed a bag of not that very tasty trail mix. Why don't you just say the things to these guys' faces? That you're willing to say to Don behind their backs. That would be impressive. Chris, I think you were even surprised by that. I'm disgusted and angry. I feel feel terrible. (laughs) I feel terrible for him. I feel terrible for me. I'm just feeling sorry for myself now because I'm getting attacked. I guess Thanksgiving is coming up. (laughs) Everybody's feeling sorry for themselves. (laughs) 
Um, Fez, I'd like to do this later today, though. I got the Fairley Brothers coming up with Dumb and Dumber. And now Chris tells me one of the greatest movie stars. This is actually movie royalty. Her father, one of the greatest uh, directors of all time. Her mother, one of the greatest movie stars of all time. She's either been uh, engaged or married to some of the great directors, as well as, uh, you know, with people like Barishnikov. And the, the great men of her time have fallen in love with this woman. Uh, and her parents were, well, they cr- created one of the biggest scandals in history. Uh, because they had the kind of love that would make your mom upset. Uh, it's the great Isabella Rossellini. She's doing Green Porno Live Tour. Coming to the World Cafe Live in Philadelphia tonight at 8 o'clock. And then next Friday night, Chris tells me it's Carnegie Hall. Next Friday night, go to Ticketmaster.com for tickets. That's Ticketmaster.com. Let's welcome Isabella Rossellini. Isabella Rossellini is back in studio with us, and she is touring with the Green Porno Live Tour. Uh, Friday, November 21st, she's going to be at the Carnegie Hall in Pittsburgh. Friday, November 14th, see her at Philadelphia World Cafe Live. Great to see you again. It's great to see you. Great to be here. How is this working on stage? This was such a filmed act for so long. Well, I was helped by the great Jean-Claude Carrier, who's a writer and a recipient of uh, the Oscar for his career this year. The idea to change, I did a series of short films about Mm. animals called Green Porno, and the idea to transform it into a monologue came to a friend of mine, an actress friend of mine, French, called Carole Bouquet. And Carole is a very good friend of Jean-Claude Carrier, and so she put the the two of us in touch, and of course I wanted to work with Jean-Claude Carrier, And he helped me do this monologue, which is based on my film, but we can go much more in depth about science. Now, it is always entertainment. You know, I'm not a scientist. I'm an entertainer. But the information that I deliver are scientifically correct. Well, here's what I've always loved about the series, is that it's about life itself. And I think so much of the time here, we think about our own life, our own problems, and we can forget that not only is nature all around us, but we're nature ourselves. We're part of this. And it's something that, you know, because I think we're on computer screens and looking at television, we sometimes forget that everything is alive and moving. Everything, you yeah. know, even in the cities. I mean, I like animals, and sometimes when I was younger, I thought, uh, oh, we should have been born in Africa, where there is elephants and giraffes. But then, you know that even in the cities, there is cockroaches and flies and rats and pigeons, and they all have fascinating lives. So you can do your own safari in your backyard. And we know that when we're children. 
And when we were children, I knew so much about caterpillars, where they go, what they do. And then as you grow older, you forget. how You did. I didn't. You I, didn't. I remained quite interested. And I went back, actually, to university. I am at Hunter College. Where uh-huh. Three years ago, they opened a, a master program on animal behavior and conservation, which I joined. Um, and yes, I was always fascinated by animal. It amuses me. There's something about nature that makes me laugh, especially animals. And I wanted to capture that aspect, you know, not the conservation, the global warming, the mass extinction, all that is very sad news. But there's something about when you sometimes you look at a spider or a caterpillar, the way they walk, the way they move, that makes me laugh. I said, what is that strange thing? Yeah. And it was that feeling that I wanted to capture in my film. And they're all driven uh, by the instinct to survive, instinct to move around, and it's fascinating when you think about that, that it's almost magic. It's, I remember being a kid and finding out that this shad in the, in the Chesapeake Bay would come all the way up through this little creek into a lake near my house and then leave again, and then those babies would find them, you know, would grow up, and then find them way back to lay eggs, and the only reason that I knew this is that we would go out and try to catch the fish with our hands in this little creek but it's amazing to think we still don't know how they do that we still don't know i mean look at this is the the season of migration and we have butterflies flying from new york city all the way down to mexico yeah we have birds uh, following uh, uh, the same paths or other paths to move we don't know how they do it Uh, we would get lost what do they have in their little brain that allows them to do what we cannot do with our big brains yeah and is it an urge is it a thought do they even know they're doing it and what is it about nature that knows that it has to program this well i don't think everything is instinct you know i don't think that everything is instinct and animals are machine and we are very distinct from animal by having an intelligence we recognize that there is a physical continuity so that we recognize that animals have uh, uh, fins but uh, a bat might have wings and we have arms so we recognize that things could evolve differently but there is a continuity and i think there is a mental continuity too an intelligence continuity of course we are much more intelligent but i cannot imagine that only instinct like a machine allows a bird to fly south maybe the urge to fly south is an instinctual urge Mm -hmm. but the obstacle that the bird will find on the way of this big uh, trip you i think you you need a flexible intelligence a flexibility on your brain Mm -hmm. therefore an intelligent to adapt to that encounter to that new adventure to the unexpected uh, uh, controversy or advantage so i think that animals too have a plasticity in their brain that maybe has been not recognized as much but the new science animal behavior is investigating it because we are suspecting that they are not just instinct as it was believed until recently and but sometimes i even wonder with us how many things do we think is choice 
that perhaps is instinct. It's you a know? very profound question. Of course, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We think sometimes we make. You know, there's this very interesting studies about identical twins that were separated at birth and grew up in two different families, and you would think that haircuts or choice of toothpaste are culturally based. Is whatever you learn in mm-hmm. you know, whatever you grow up in a big city or a small city in the country influence your style or your way of dressing. When the scientists find these two uh, identical twins, so genetically are the same, um, they found out that they had the same haircut, that they selected the same toothpaste, things like that. So who knows? There is a lot of us, too, are programmed, but we don't know to what extent I always think of like why am I more interested in my niece's kids than I are I'm sometimes the kids next door and I don't see them as much but I see pictures they bring me joy so sometimes I think is that just biological is it anything to do with thought process at all or we don't know I mean I wouldn't be able to give you an answer you are asking questions that uh, science is investigating but you know they may never get the answer do we respond to genetics Mm -hmm. but I have an adopted son, and I love him as much as I love my biological daughter. Yeah. So why is that? You know, if you only respond to children that are your niece and nephews, yes. and not other children. So we don't know the answer. It's a good thing that you're responding positively to your niece and nephew. I'm responding positively <laughs> to my son. That's yes. a good outcome. But right. why? And we don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and see, this is what I, I, I love about your work is that you embrace the mystery. Sometimes we just think, well, we have to get to these answers. But if you can fall in love with the mystery of life, that's, that's the key. Yes, but of course, uh, but I think we have questions all the time. You know, we look every night you see the moon or you see the stars or you see a big storm or you see a big river and you are, and you know there is mystery. In yes. We don't have all the answers, but actually it's very calming. I find that sometimes the mystery is not terrifying. It's like oh, we're part of this fantastic mystery and you so there is a, um, a, a wonderful feeling not only a terror though occasionally there is a terrifying feeling too sure. <laughs> but it is also like, is there is there real life after death or what would happen when we're dead that is a terrifying question to me yeah <laughs> and one that you just choose to well, I haven't done any, I haven't addressed it in my monologue. At yeah. the moment, I'll just stay on the sexual life of animals. <laughs> I haven't gone as far as life and death, and is, that, is there life after death? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the tour is Green Porno Live, and it's happening Friday, uh, November 21st at the Carnegie Hall in uh, Pittsburgh. And as I said, this the, the, the things that you do uh, cover... Uh, different types of entertainment. Some of it seems like it's pantomime or really old, almost vaudeville stuff. Well, you know, I, I never, I liked film and storytelling, mm-hmm. but I'm very intimidated by the aspect of filmmaking that is very technical, computer, special effects. I'm terrified about those things in life. So I don't know, I don't understand them. So when I decided to become a, a director, I decided that my inspiration comes from silent movies, and especially George Méliès, that was one of the first uh, directors who started to make film in uh, 1901. Um, 
and he made magic shows. He made incredible special effects. And still today, they make you smile and they surprise you. But there is an element of naivete that adds to the charm. And so for me, George Méliès was very much, uh, you know, maybe most people know George Méliès after um, Martin Scorsese made uh, Hugo Mm -hmm. and tells the story of that wonderful filmmaker that ended up being a, a, a toy maker and selling them at the, at the station where Hugo in the film gets trapped, a little child. So for me, uh, early cinema uh, and the solution that they had early on was an inspiration for my techno- how to use my technology or the least amount of it in my films. I had never once thought that they were like magic shows. That's yeah. that's so true that these were sleight of hands. It was great it's staging. It's very much on clowns, you yeah. know, and clowns and little tricks that clowns do that enchant audiences. When you see that they're red nose is just a fake nose attached, but and the shoes are long. Uh, so you but they still make you laugh when you see them walking that way. I'm fascinated that you would say that you're intimidated by the technology of filmmaking when basically you've more or less grown up on sets and lived your adult life with some of the greatest directors of all time. Uh, but there was some discomfort. Oh, it wasn't discomfort about them, you know. Yeah. It's like the, it's not that I'm afraid of a camera or making films, but sometimes uh, uh, the very big special effects. Yeah. I don't know how to get to them, and so you know, when you're a director, you have to understand what you're doing to indicate to your crew, at whatever department, what mm-hmm. you want. And I was afraid not to have to be able to be a good director because I don't understand technology. Now it could be: is it because I'm a woman and women don't understand technology? Is it because women are talking you cannot understand technology, but in fact, uh, sooner or later, we're going to invent who knows, God knows what. I don't know. But it, it doesn't fascinate me. You know, I'm not, it, when there is the new, you know, mobiles or <laughs> iPad, I'm not the I'm not rushing there to buy it. I'm not online saying, oh, I have to try this gadget. It's not something that interests me particularly. I'm interested in storytelling, but I don't want to learn all these other uh, languages uh, to be able to express myself. I think I have enough to be able to express myself and I express myself with what I know. Well, you also seem like you don't have a spare moment in your day, do you? You're involved in so many things. Yeah, I've always been very active. Yeah. Yes, I, uh, it's part of my personality. Part of that drive. and I, I know I, I saw the it's piece... It's not a drive. Yeah. It's more of a curiosity. It's not like a drive, like I want to have a career, I want to make it. It's more of a curiosity. I was always curious since I was a little girl and always super active. So it's not... I don't want to get in any place. It's just I want to move. Do you want to keep moving? you want to be? Uh, well, I, I was watching a piece that CBS did on you when you were training dogs yes. uh, for the blind. And it looks like it takes so much energy to be involved in that. It doesn't take much energy, but it takes a, a continuity. It uh-huh. takes a, st- a steadiness. Uh, if you, you cannot, you know, say to the dog, do this half an hour and then the rest of the day be distracted. It really has to be your companion. A guide dog is going to be the companion to the blind person that he's going to be assisting. And it's going to be a very, very uh, tight relationship where the dog has to be constantly tuning in uh, to his master, where he wants to go and what are his 
puppy's needs. So you have to mimic that for them when they're puppies. I raise them when they're puppies. Up and until about what age? Before? About a year, a year old. And I uh-huh. returned them to the guide dog foundation where they are handled to trainers, official trainers. I uh-huh. do this as a volunteer. Do you ever go and check on any of those dogs years later? Sometimes, I, yes, I do. Sometimes yeah. I do. It, of course, the dog belongs to the whoever person they are serving. So if the person they are serving don't want to have thought, be in touch with me, I, I'm not going to disturb them. But most of the people send me emails. And some of my dogs, I raised 10 dogs, and seven of them became guide dogs. And uh, one of the first one is now about to retire. So uh, Steve, who owns JoJo, called me and he said, I don't. I won't be able to keep him as an old dog. I need a new dog because Jojo is slowing down. Can Jojo come and retire at your house? And I said, of course. So Jojo is coming back. <laughs> that is a phenomenal kind of circle of life, right? <laughs> yeah. That would be the perfect children's book for you <laughs> yes. to do. I it think would that, be, actually. Yes. I think that would be terrific. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I would, you would think of how many kids that would, A, love that story, but B, you know, the moral of that story. Because to me, it's always about service. You're in service to the dog. The dog is in service to the next person and then at the you know as it all comes back around this weird thing that we have with dogs where we're in service to each other all the time absolutely it's a relationship in fact the dogs uh, even a trained dog will not be able to guide anybody or unless he's attached to that person uh, so it's the relationship that creates the bond, that creates the possibility. So a, a trainer would train an animal to guide, and the animal learn all these command and also to take responsibilities. You, you could tell a dog, take me to my home, taking me to my bank, you know, to routine places, and the dog will take on the responsibility and knows exactly which route to take you. But if the dog is not bonded to the person who's uh, uh, guiding, He's not going to guide you. He's going to look around for the person he loves because that's the person he wants to serve. So it really is also based on love and relationship. So that I, I had no idea that either uh, because in the back of my mind they were just trained and that's what they would do. But they don't do it with everybody. Yeah. They have to be attached to the person to do it. And it may be the, the training of the dog, but it might be just that person is not open. Uh, to that. Uh, the Green Porno Live Tour, it's happening Friday, uh, November 21st at the uh, Carnegie Hall in Pittsburgh, November 14th in Philadelphia at the World Cafe Live. It's nature, it's sex, but is there anything in nature that you aren't attracted to anything in nature that repels you death just i wish it wasn't existing (laughs) i wish there was something else they say oh but you your genes continue in your children yeah but i I still want my genes in my body and i would like to live forever all right the search for eternal life that'll be the next thing that we do (laughs) it's so great to see you again thank you so much and i'll see you next time coming through thanks Isabella Rossellini. Beautiful, awesome. I love her. I love her so much. She's one of the coolest. She's very impressed with you too, Chris. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's, did she say something to you about me? Mm-hmm. What'd she say? She says, I never even heard of that before. Heard of what? 
when I told her that you jerk off the animal porn. Why the... Why would you tell that to her? I know that she's interested in animals. A, it's not true. I don't masturbate to bestiality. Let me catch up with her then. Please catch up with her. Please. Though I did watch a uh, really bad documentary. Remember that guy that got... um. Had sex with to death with a horse, like yeah. uh, in uh, Washington State, I believe. It was a really bad documentary about him, who was like a CIA agent, and the horse sex farm that was up there. Mm. And one of the uh, people was like, "So there was a pony horse that we that was there that we were um, investigating, and it started going down on a carrot. Like it wasn't biting the carrot; it was actually sucking off. That's the gotta be a lie. Uh, it was in the documentary. It was a wildlife person. Who said I it. just. I'm always confused that you could kill an animal, eat an animal, and that's fine, but you cannot fuck an animal. It's degrading to the animal, maybe? or It's well, it's for- degrading. <laughs> Human women do it. <laughs> I don't- and why don't you tell the truth to everybody right now about what, you? What truth? Didn't you jerk off on a turtle one time? No, I did There's no masturbation or sex with me and animals. I don't know why I have to say this. Because I went to reptiles. And somebody told me that one time you were fucking swimming underwater, saw a trout lay her eggs in the seaweed, and then you came by and jacked over top of it. I don't... I'm not trying Which to, is yeah. technically correct in terms of nature. I don't think see, my semen... Somebody told me that a dog fucked a fish, and that's where the seal came from. And that was the old Indians used to tell that. I don't think those Indians knew shit. They weren't scientists. I'm talking about Pakistanis, and they were scientists. Oh, wow. You fucking racist. See, when you say Indians, I think of Native Americans right off the bat. Sure you do. You know why? Why? You're a racist. I'm not a racist. I don't bang animals or masturbate on their eggs. The fact that you even have to say that sounds disgusting. Yeah. I, you sound I, guilty. I feel terrible having to say this. So anyway, come see Chris Stanley on the Green Porno Live Tour. Uh, that's at the World Cafe tonight in Philadelphia, Carnegie Hall in Pittsburgh, November 21st. Ticketmaster.com for tickets coming up in just a couple of minutes. Unmasked with the Fairley Brothers. Dumb and Dumber comes out in theaters everywhere today. Uh, everywhere you want to go in the planet Earth will have Dumb and Dumber today. Exciting. Oh, it's super exciting. 20 years since the first so one? so excited you're all hard and you want to jerk off on a turtle? No. I have, you know what's sad? What? When they try to get away from you. It's just, they're, just, they're so slow. There's, they know the cum is coming. They, they have, don't have a chance. Say? What? No, no, no. No. I Dude, swear to God. Do me a favor. What's that? Let me fucking shoot this on the video and put it up online. Make some money for us. I don't want to exploit animals. And the second you come on the turtle, yeah. I just want you to yell, world star, motherfuckers. <laughs> that would be huge if someone was doing that. That would get massive amounts of hits. That white bitch just jacked off all over. That turtle got in his eye. Well, are we breaking before yeah, the... Yeah, we're going to break before uh, we go to the Farrelly Brothers. You know what I told him about their movie? What's that? I said, it's fairly good, because you're the Fairly Brothers. That's nice. It ties in there. Peter and Bobby. Here's the story 
of a lovely la- How many times do you think people said to them, where's Greg? Where's Greg day. Fairley? Every day. And they pro- probably have to that fight. I'm so fucking pissed because I did say it to them. Oh, God. And they went like this. What do you mean, Greg? And then I said, you know, like in the Brady Bunch. And they go, we're not Brady's. We're Fairley's. And I go, Fairley what? Dickinson? And then I just fucking ran out of there. And then... And then you got 60 minutes of just dead mic time. Run masked. <laughs> All right, so it's the Fairley Brothers unmasked. I hope you enjoy this. Dumb and Dumber comes out everywhere in theaters. We'll be right back with Unmasked with the Fairley Brothers. It's the Ron and Fez Show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy. It's Channel 99. This show is available on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand for details. It's uh, great to have you guys here. It's sincere. It did. (laughs) Now, it's great because we like to have a Dumb and Dumber movie every 20 years. Yes. That's a big thing for us in this country. (laughs) How was it for you guys picking this up after 20 years? It was... It was a blast. Was it? First of all, yeah. 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 Oh, I got my phone on. Let me turn it off. Well, hold on. It might be Jim Carrey. Let's just wait. Joe Joe Coletti. You don't want me to take that. Yeah, take the Joe Coletti call. See how he's doing. Uh, <laughs> of all the movies we ever made, this one felt like we could do a sequel. Uh, Is that because, right? Yeah, because the guy, there's no character arc. There's, they don't change. <laughs> you know, beginning at the end of the first movie, they were the exact same as they were at the beginning. They were dumb and dumber. They never got smart. <laughs> they never got successful. And so we thought we could, you know, it'd be great to revisit this story. But it was just a matter of getting everybody, all the ducks back in a row. Well, you give it away in the trailer, but there's a holding pattern mm. that takes place for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Where they're just basically sitting since we've last seen them. <laughs> yeah, they haven't done anything. They haven't done shit. <laughs> that's that's a good reason. It's, it's for a gag. <laughs> yeah, and we did have a, we did have, you know, that's the backstory of, uh, of uh, Lloyd. And we yeah. did have a backstory of Harry, which unfortunately got cut cut for for length reasons in the movie but will be in the extended uh, DVD which is pretty fun too. He got into a thing he explains what what he's been doing and he was uh well first of all he had a, a girlfriend a little person uh and uh he said she was really really sexy he said 36 24 36 <laughs> and that was just her head. <laughs> and uh and then he uh then he got into uh, uh the whole new age thing. He wrote a book uh didn't do well. It's called uh Eat Sleep Shit. Uh, and then uh, what else he do? He joined the Branch Davidians and caused <laughs> caused the whole yeah. Waco massacre. But, but that was like about a five. We had minute, to cut it all. Out. We had to cut it because it was early in the movie. People were like, "What is this about?" <laughs> do you when like when you write great jokes like that? Do you hate that you have to cut for time? Is it? Yeah, it is hard uh, sometimes. And uh, and 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 the other thing is this: sometimes there are little jokes, and this is what is interesting, that do not get a laugh at all at first, but over time, right. grow in stature. Like the the one is, you know, so you're telling me there's a chance, <laughs> zero laughs. When we when that movie right. came out, we tested it. I'm telling you, there was not yeah. a laugh in the room. That's the more you see it, the funnier that becomes. Yeah. And yeah. and in fact, the studio was saying you got to cut that. We're like, no, 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 no. we like that. 
said, they said, but it's not getting any laughs. So I said, yeah, but we, we kind of like it. And then right after that, when he comes to the door and he says, what was all this one in a million talk? <laughs> you know, well, that got no laugh. None. And so they're saying, well, at least cut that. I mean, you know, you, you're keeping two jokes that aren't working. Right. See, when you edit the movie, you you see it like 500 times. You yeah. Know? And so by the 500th time, you're Pete and I are laughing at things that we just know that they're, it's, they're funny if you see them 500 times. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're not laughing at the ones that, you know, that are like the obvious jokes, right? As much. So uh, we do have to fight to keep those in. And, and we did with Dumb and Dumber. We were, we were glad we did. Well, you guys do have the kind of movie that people watch over and over and over. And, I, I, and do, you, do you guys even understand why that is? Why? Um, well, this this one, uh, I, I believe it's, uh, I really believe it's because these guys are so lovable. That it's just pleasant. You know, you, people, life's tough. Life yeah. is tough, man. And and people have tough lives. And when you flip this on and you see these two guys, lovable idiots who are just, you know, uh, it, it just, you could forget your problems. You just kind of, you know, it's easy. It's, 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 it's a good feeling watching yeah, and, those and guys. And if you're watching Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, Playing Harry and Lloyd, your eyes will naturally like if Jim's talking. You got your eyes are going to go to him. But if you keep watching it over and over, sometimes you're just going to watch what the other guy's doing. Like go go to watch who's not talking, yeah. and it becomes almost funnier. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how funny these two guys it's are. It's two different movies. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the first time, like I, the one that I always remember for that is when they tried in the first movie where they're picking up Joe Mental's hitchhiking, and they pull up, and uh, Jim says. Uh, you know, Lloyd says, I don't know, we don't normally pick up hitchhikers. And you see Jeff behind him, Harry's behind him, kind of glaring at him. And then Jim says, but I got a good feeling about this. And just then, uh, Harry, big smiling. He's such a follower, it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I think it helped, too, that it ran on TBS and TNT over and over and over yeah. on TV. Uh, it was bought by the Turner Company, the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. And New Line Cinema, in fact, was bought by the Turner Company right after the Dumb and Dumber came out. Boy, they showed that thing a lot of times. So it, it was always on TV, and that helped. Well, you know, here's the thing. It's one thing to write jokes, but to write lovable is, I would imagine, even more difficult, right? Well, you know, people ask us, they say, how do you write? Do you just sit around and think of, like, gags that you could put in a movie? And we don't at all. In fact, what we do do is what you said. We first sit there and think, how can we create a, a character that's so lovable that we can hang our jokes on it? Like, in something about Mary, if you think of... You know, that guy, that first act is all about setting him up as a good guy. He's standing up for the intellectually challenged guy. Even yeah. before he knew it was Mary's brother, he's, he's, you know, he's just a nice guy so that you're rooting for him. And that allows us, like, you know, the, if you put that stuff on his ear and you didn't like the guy, that might end the movie. Yeah. But because you love him, you go with it. And, and <laughs> that, that's our goal is to find a guy that you can run with. Yeah. Well, there is something inclusive, not just about your movies, but your lives as well. I don't know whether it's because you guys are from Rhode Island, but it seems like you've never left the people that you kind of grew up with, you know? You know, when we first went out to Hollywood, we were writing a lot of screenplays, and we were sort of writing them for the people at the studio, thinking, oh, this is what they'll like, this is, this is funny. And then I remember at some point we just kind of made a – a quantum shift and said, you know what, let's just write what we think the guys at home would laugh at. And it, it was a different style of writing and it, and it changed everything we did. And that's when we wrote Dumb and Dumber. I think it, we just started going for it more. And yeah. uh, 
that helped us a lot. And in fact, I remember the first time we ever showed it uh, in to the Rhode Islanders. We have a Rhode Island premiere for all our movies, and our friends, everybody laughed. It was Dumb and Dumber, and our friends came out and they said, "I like it, but <laughs> I don't know how this is going to play nationally, but I like it." Yeah, <laughs> they were convinced it was only going to work in Rhode Island. Well, what is it about Rhode Island? What is it about that way that you guys? We have a terrible inferiority complex. Yeah. The smallest state, you know, with yeah. probably the dumbest state. <laughs> I don't know why. But we have a lot of characters uh, who live there. And uh, offbeat characters, somehow or another, fit in in Rhode Island. You know, you can look at the politicians alone. Uh, right. Uh, I don't know what it is. And we've always been amused by the guys, you know, the, the class clowns and the, that kind of thing. And Pete and I have always surrounded ourselves with people that we find amusing. And that's it. You guys always were drawn to characters, not exactly the coolest kids, but real kind of outliers. Yeah, you know, there were, there were, yeah, it was, it was kind of like the guy who would, you know, paint the head of his dick green. <laughs> cut you, a know hole. That you know that guy. You know, oh, that guy. You know, yeah, that guy. Yeah, cut, cut a hole in his pant pocket <laughs> and then pull the thing out and show uh, show the girls and say, have you met my pet frog? <laughs> you know, that's the guy we By the way, this, this is fourth, fourth and fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still funny. Yeah. Those are the guys that we were drawn to. Like, yeah. And that stayed that stayed with you. Mm, all these I guess. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Somebody asked, like, uh, you know, we we uh, have a, a certain immaturity, I guess. And you know, I don't know. Like, I remember when I was in high school, and you go to we go to the Providence Civic Center, you see a concert, and there'd be like twelve thousand lunatics there, all your age. Yeah. And now I still go to concerts, and now they're all gone. And I, th I, I it, I'm like, well, why do people stop going to concerts? I never did. Yeah. You know, I never grew up to the point where I didn't want to see a new band. I still want to see a band. I want to go there. I want to have a couple beers, watch a show. Have a good time. Toast went up, and I think I'm the only one left that's doing that. My, my well, no, you, you, to go in to see the new bands, you know. Yeah. I, went, I went to see Fleetwood Mac recently, and all that whole gang that you were with—they're all there. They look like they look like, they look like hell warmed over. Yeah, <laughs> but that was go, growing up in the '70s. Yeah. That was that thing. In a lot of ways, that was almost the way people think of social media today. That everybody in your high school had to go. The other high schools had to go. You'd show up there. And it was a real gathering of the tribes. Yeah. And I don't even think that a lot of kids understand that massive right. show. Yeah, it was know? different. And and the, and I remember the concert tickets were six dollars and fifty cents. Yeah. And at, at the Rhode Island at the Providence Civic Center, and they every band went through there. Everybody, yeah. Stones, Zeppelin, The Who, Almond Brothers, it didn't matter who it was, Bowie, everybody went through there and you'd save up for that six fifty. And you go with your buddies, and it was just a blowout. And they, yeah. Those are some of the best memories of my life, going to shows like that. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%, you know. And I still think the Jay Giles Band is the best live band <laughs> that's ever uh, been well, on this planet. Well, you're preaching to the choir, because <laughs> yeah. that's how we feel. Like, yeah. Jay Giles, you know, Full House, that album. That is it. That is the best live <laughs> album ever. Yeah. And uh, and they, they were, in fact, the first concert I ever saw was Jay Giles back in 1972. And the last concert of the uh, last uh, century, they were playing in Boston like two night the night before uh, New Year's Eve. And all my buddies who had, we had gone to back in 72 to see, the, we all went. And we wanted yeah. to go out on uh, Jay Giles. We saw him in Boston, and it was just as good. See, that's what I mean, too. I think that that's what you guys, 
bring to it is that's about that being inclusive, that everybody can show up. And if you're not into this beat, you'll be into the next one. Yeah. Everybody hold on together. And I do think that has, uh, well, in an outside Providence, which I, I really enjoyed, for me, one of the great things is just seeing how free a young kid was yeah. in that age. Whereas old man would say, you better hitchhike yeah. because I'm not taking you. When we were 12, no one would do this. We were 12 today. years old. I was 12. He yeah. was 11. And we were on the same Little League team, and we'd have a game, and my mother would take us to the end of the street and then <laughs> say, get out and hitchhike from here. Like, she'd right. get us to the main road. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, what was she thinking? You know? Yeah. You know, she had three kids at home. She had to go the other way. <laughs> and a hairdressing appointment. We hitchhiked appointment. everywhere. Yeah. It was always, you know, I remember literally 10, 11, I'd say, hey, Dad, can you give us a ride to, you know, downtown? And he's like, come on, what do you think God gave you a thumb for? Get the hell out there. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it was. Oh, yeah. I hitchhiked to Florida and back for <laughs> spring break. <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. Well, my friend was 16. He hitchhiked to uh, Mayoski, hitchhiked to uh, California. Summer vacation came, and his mother took him, drove him down and <laughs> drove him to 95, got him on the road, and he held up a sign in Providence that said California. <laughs> and, and, yeah. California. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's also very true of your movies is there's always these road scenes. There's always that, which, again, ties back in, for me, that freedom. When you're out on the road, there's a freedom to let a lot of crazy shit happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, you know, that's just being a screenwriter, it, it opens it up. It, you, anything can happen on the road. You, know? right. uh, you don't know what, what's going to happen at the next exit on the highway. So that's, that's the format we followed when we did the original Dumb and Dumber. We followed it again on this one, where the guys do go on a road trip and we, we like to write that way and i also tell people like you know my favorite thing in the world is to go on the road just yeah. jump in a car and hit the road i've driven cross country 21 times from and 16 alone and it, it is the greatest thing gift you could ever give yourself if you go if life gets complicated you're like don't know what to do next you're having relationship issues job issues whatever it is if you can get a week off and drive cross country i promise you you will clear your head as long as you're not on the phone the whole way which right. i don't do i don't i don't i don't listen i don't talk on the phone I just drive cross country clear my head and think by the end of it, I know what I'm going to do for the next couple of years. So it's it's really a freeing experience. Didn't, sort of. Didn't you get uh, six speeding tickets one one trip? <laughs> one day, I actually. In one day. Yes. Yeah. I I I, I I've uh, and I'm not real proud of it, but I'm not ashamed. But, but I I got a that I got was a, 55 miles an hour. Then yeah, the I got a, limit. That's I got, too low. I got a letter um, uh, about four years ago, and it said, you know, now that they finally got all the all the states are hooked up, uh, you know, on the computer, you know. They didn't know before. If you got four tickets in Arizona, they wouldn't know in Rhode Island, you know. And now it's a national grid thing. And I got a letter that said I was in the, you know, 1% of the most ticketed people in the country. And if I get any more speeding tickets, I'm going to lose my license. So I've had to take it down since then. Well, it's great that you're a one percenter. You yeah. know, it's always, it's always nice to be there at the top, yeah. Yeah. you know. So that that's a lot where the, the road uh, scenes come from is the fact that you guys feel comfortable out there. Well, when we're writing, if we're again, if we're in a, like you know, it's hard to write. That's the hardest part yeah. of making a movie is you're you're creating the whole thing there. It's a lot of work. And if we're stumped, we just get in the car and drive. We'll yeah. drive cross country or we'll drive up to Montana or we don't know where we're going. We're just going because you're stuck together in that car. You can't get away from each other. You know, you can't. There's so much you can accomplish. And then we go somewhere and we stay there for two weeks and write. And we we usually break through when we do that. Mm -hmm. 
And you try to stay away from tourist places. You're just out with, you know, regular people. Well, you know, at tourist places, you'll see regular people, too. We like to, you know, hit the hit the spots. We went to uh, see Mount Rushmore. Remember the yeah. last one? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Grand Canyon. It's small, by the way. <laughs> oh, it is. Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, what? you got to be shitting you know, me. You know the small... Sturgis. Yeah. <laughs> what about Plymouth Rock? What could be smaller that, than oh, Plymouth Rock? Jesus. That's a disappointment. Yeah. That is a disappointment. That is... What is that? Like? I'm ashamed. I live in the town next door. And it, it's, it's a total scam. <laughs> People went and chipped it. You know, they, I think it was a bigger rock <laughs> centuries ago. But now it's like... It's, it's, it's really Plymouth Stone. Yeah. Plymouth Stone. And it's yeah. not an attractive stone. You know, no, it's no. Just, just it's a regular good rock looking. out there. Yeah. 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 Try to impress kids with it. Well, there it is, kids. That's what we drove here for. Yeah. I think, um, I think the fact that you can go back to these characters goes to show, too, about, you know, after 20 years is that, oddly enough, that these are somewhat family films for people. This is stuff that, that you will watch with your kids, and there's a shared sense of humor. Well, it, you know, it's funny. When it came out, it got horrible reviews. Uh, it did. when it, They weren't good, and it was our first movie. It was kind of painful, and the reason they were, they were saying, don't take your kids to this movie because there's one scene where, you know, Jeff Daniels sits on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And we were thinking, like, yeah, that's right. I forgot kids didn't know about crap. And, <laughs> yeah. Like not obsessed yeah, with it. Yeah, that's going to be, yeah, that's not good that they yeah. find out that people are crapping. <laughs> Well, like, they didn't know you could crap for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, no, that was the kid part to us. We're like, are you yeah. kidding me? We did that for kids, and you're not bringing them to it for that? You know, but uh, anyway. Well, you can understand the critics yeah. at that time. Well, they've never been kind to of comedy. Not they? really, yeah. Uh, what kind of comedy did you guys watch? Growing up, was there stuff that stood yeah, out? Yeah, you know, we weren't real movie buffs or anything like yeah. that. We didn't really even have a movie theater around our home or anything. But uh, we certainly liked uh, Animal House, sure. and, uh, those kind of comedies. Sucker Brothers, were, Jim yeah. Abrams comedies, yeah. you know, Air Airplane, Kentucky Fried Movie, Blazing Saddles, all that stuff. That was stuff we liked. But we were really more um, TV guys. Like you know, a Andy Griffith Show was probably our biggest influence of anything. And that was a that was a silly show with a lot of heart. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Some some episodes would be very little humor mm -hmm. and more, you know, moral and you know right. problem solving and that kind of thing. But then other ones would be hysterical. And there was always a mix though of both. Uh, you know, you had Barney Fife who was just incredibly funny. But you know, the, the relationship between Andy and his son Opie was just you know it was so real that it was uh, it just we loved that combination. Yeah. And also, again, I'm going to take it back to that inclusive thing where nobody was out. No one would say, no. you know, Gomer, you're so stupid. We're not hanging out no. with you anymore. No, you know? no. You celebrated people's flaws. Right. And that, 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 that was what we liked. But, you know, we're, we wouldn't be here if not for the Zucker Brothers because the Zucker Brothers, that was the first time we looked at, like, wow, those are like, you know, I saw them on Letterman. I thought, they seem just like normal guys, and yet they went out to L.A. and they got a movie made. And they have a career, and I, that inspired us. But when we, and, and in fact, when we got out there, they were the first guys we worked with. But we, I do remember thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a little more heart in their movies? Because by the end of Airplane, you didn't really think the plane would crash. You weren't really afraid of that. You didn't, you know, you, know, you knew. So it's really, it was a joke oriented movie joke 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 and our goal was to do that have that amount of jokes yet have just one more layer where you give a shit and at the end you want to see what happens well i also think that you guys celebrate 
losing, you know, taking the shot and not being the big winner. You know, the stereotypical uh, Hollywood movie is always things go bad for all this time, but then you win and you show the bad guys. But, you know, Kingpin is a great example of we're sitting there waiting for the guy to win and everybody (laughs) to be happy and big family, and it doesn't happen, you know, which is weirdly shocking. I mean, now we probably forget it because we've seen it so many times and we're happy with the ending but at the time yeah. it's odd right yeah well, we try to catch ourselves when we're writing and say what does the audience think is going to happen you know what happens in every other movie uh and in kingpin it would have been well you know woody harrelson bowls a game of his life and he he <laughs> yeah. finally wins after all those years but uh we're thinking that's 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 too predictable so we went the other way where he didn't win, but he but he won something bigger, you know, he won his respect back and, and that kind of stuff and so and the fact that Bill Murray won was always fun to us too. Yeah, right. <laughs> just because he it's just, Bill Murray. He and, never gets his due no, in that. No. He never, he never got his come up. <laughs> I'm above the law. I'm above I the can law. do anything. I yeah. can buy my way out of anything. Yeah, yeah that that cracked us up. Now uh, that that goes to show you how lovable Bill Murray is that he can yeah. play such a horrible, yeah. horrible human being. Yeah. And at the end, people still are, are happy. I mean, people love that character. He, he's yeah, I know we did. Yeah. That, that was, uh, we had a, a lot of fun with that one, Ernie McCracken. Yeah. And Bill, Bill's a stud. Like, you know, Bill's actually a really good athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, among other things, he can bowl. And at the end of that movie, when he had to get three strikes in a row, we were shooting it in front of a thousand people at the uh, a National Bowling Center in Reno, Nevada. And we thought this could take some time. And I, you know, braced the audience. We need to get three strikes in a row. And then the third one, we, you know, get the big applause. Three in a row, Bill. <laughs> strike, strike, strike. Yeah. And the place went ballistic, which was, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's Bill. Right. You know, right. He's, he's just blessed. He showed up and he dug it. He wanted to be the guy oh, yeah. to do that. Well, the, the come over in that film is so crazy uh, and gets crazier as it goes along. But again, that's one of those things that where we, as you're watching it time and time again, right. so finally you're just focusing only on hair. Again, that was Bill. That was Bill. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we had come up with the thing for Woody, but Bill showed up on the set and he had his own thing. He brought his own <laughs> hair piece. Did all, and by the way, every line in that movie that Bill did was his own. Right. Like he would, we gave him, the, you know, every day you give him the sides, which what you're going to shoot that day. And I remember he'd just flip through it. Okay. Yeah, I get it. He'd throw it away. <laughs> And then he'd come up, he'd just make up lines, and every time it was better. Every single time. Yeah. Gravy train with biscuit wheels. We're we're sitting there like, where the, what the hell? He's a a true genius. You know, hello, you know, not you, you. Hello. That's just just us not cutting. Right. Yeah. Just the scene where um, he's taking the snap. From the from the mom and he pulls her shorts up yeah. so high is one of the funniest things that you'll ever see. And again, how do you you know? Do you know at the time? Oh my God, that's so ridiculous! Or you have to wait and see how it plays. Well, with Bill, you can kind of tell because yeah. we're over at the monitor, just you know, stifling laughs. Uh, but you never know for sure in a comedy what's going to work and what doesn't. A lot of times we're surprised. We really are. And also the guys, even like a Bill Murray and, and a Jim Carrey, guys like that, not everything they do works. But they're, the, thing, the reason they're so good is they're, they've got huge balls. They'll try right. a lot of different things. They're not afraid. 
Like, they know it's not going to all work, but they're not afraid of getting embarrassed because some guys don't take chances. They just stick close to the vest, and those guys will go out on a limb. But that's home run hitters, right? Home yeah, run yeah, hitters yeah. are Take like, swings. Yeah, are willing to strike out right. and go, okay, yeah, wait that's the next exactly time. Yeah, that's exactly right. You right. know? So that's always, and that's what you guys are shooting for. You've got to have so many home runs in every movie, right? Y- you hope. Yeah. 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 You're just hoping. Yeah. <laughs> but you never know. Um, you, you don't know, like you, you think, you know, and sometimes you do, you know, like the hair gel and something about Mary, we thought that was funny, but we weren't sure that that could ruin the movie. You know, that, mm-hmm. that could be the moment where the audience, Oh God, come right. on, let's get the hell out of here. Or, or at least, or you're grossed out, you know, and, and it, and you don't like the characters anymore. So we actually, when we shot that, we protected ourselves and did it two ways. In case it didn't work, we had a, a way of doing it without it to get around that whole yeah. thing. And then, luckily, when we tested it, it yeah, worked. It worked. Well, you know, you, you bring up the term gross out, and I, I, I've read where people say that you do that. But normally, things like that happen to your characters. It's not like Jackass, where they go, oh, let's go out and plan this thing, <laughs> and yeah. let's think of the, the grossest thing. Your characters are normally the victim of these circumstances yeah it's usually just you know bodily functions things that actually do make us human and we we laugh at it you know but uh, other people yeah we're not attempting to gross people in fact it i don't think it does gross people i think like if it did they wouldn't be laughing you know and like you know but anyway jackass what they do i love what they do i can't get enough of that stuff you Mm -hmm. know i mean (laughs) but some of it is like uh, there's there's the one where they send the guy in the in the porta potty you know uh, uh, that that one that was the one where i was just i couldn't i couldn't look anymore (laughs) yeah yeah but that's guys that plan to do things oh yeah going to do this yeah and i always noticed with your characters Shit just happens to them, yeah. you know. As they're, yeah, they're, going, they're generally yeah. victimized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really yeah. by you guys when you think about yeah. it in a room somewhere <laughs> playing God with these poor bastards. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look back at, at, at Dumb and Dumber, you know you got to figure casting Jim Carrey slam dunk. Who wouldn't have done that? But Jeff Daniels, I think, is still even after all these years, kind of. Shocking, because he doesn't normally go in this direction. No. Well, you know, even Jim at the time, Jim had not really become a superstar then. Right. He, we, we knew he was a funny guy, and when he came and had read the script and gave us his take on it, we thought, this guy is funny, and he gets it, and he, he sees it just like we do. So he was our guy. It, the trick was, who can play alongside him without seeming like a guy who's, you know, not quite as funny, not quite as energetic. It was, I mean, it was, it was tricky, so we kind of broke the mold and didn't look for a, a known comedy guy and we instead said hey let's let's get a really good actor that's going to challenge Jim in a different direction it's going to challenge him to really act in some spots and and the guy that we loved was uh was Jeff Daniels and right away it worked for you guys uh, it did but you know the studio didn't like it the yeah. studio was saying that's a bad idea He's get a comedic actor and <clears throat> we finally got uh, convinced uh, we got Jim to read with Jeff and Jeff is, you know, Jeff's a genius too. And so Jeff was like, he knows how to tap dance. And Jim was having to keep up. Like, oh my God, this is a whole different thing. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, he wasn't slowing down. And no matter what Jim did, Jeff would come back because Jim's a, Jeff's a reactor. He just looks for Jim. What What are you going to do? I'm going to come right back at you like a, like a tennis game. And uh, and Jim, when it when we finished the audition, he said, "That's my man right there." I, he was he was rattled at how good Jeff was, and that was uh, perfect. 
Yeah. And that was just because the guy is an actor and he's, he's able deal. to focus. Yeah, so. he's like, well, he's super funny to begin with, but he yeah. just he didn't come from a you know he's not a stand up comic or, right. or hadn't been in a lot of comedies, but uh, he's just gifted. He's a gifted actor. He's an actor, actor. He's the kind of actor who does like he just shows up on set. He doesn't go through torture himself. No, no garbage. He's reading the paper or doing, and then and then when we start, he just uh, shakes his head and he's in the role. He just shakes he's it. Just, he's right there. It's something there. Because that was kind of a daring move for him because he could have, yeah. you know, screwed up his career path and not, the, you know, been able to work with, you know, Sorkin later. And, and also like because the studio didn't want him, they lowballed him to death and tried to get him to pass. Uh, they, Jim Carrey, if you recall, yeah. by the time the movie was about to be made, uh, Ace Ventura had come out and it was a big hit. So Jim Carrey ended up getting $7 million for that movie. The movie cost $16 million. He got so the seven. original Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yeah. the original yeah. Dumb and Dumber. And uh, they uh, they didn't want J uh, Jeff, but Jim wanted Jeff. We wanted Jeff. So they offered Jeff fifty grand. And he took it. Yeah, fifty grand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mainly because he was just committed to this. He wanted to do the role. He didn't give yeah. a shit. He's like he he lives in a little house out in Michigan somewhere. He didn't need money. <laughs> Fifty grand, your big shit around that place. Hey, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was. He, yeah, he didn't know that they were lowballing him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that that was the year with Jim Carrey where he he did uh, Ace Ventura, Mask, and then Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, and just was suddenly yeah, the was, biggest yeah. star on the planet right, right. in one year. Mm. Uh, for you guys. Was the was the pressure really on now when that started happening? When did it feel like you had to keep this thing going for? Well, him? that was our first movie, and so yeah. I think, you know, Jim got so much attention that I I don't think we even got too much of the attention then. Uh, and our second movie was Kingpin, yeah. and uh, we thought it was like on par with Dumb and Dumber. We thought it was you know close to as funny, and uh, but when it came out, it really it really kind of tanked at the box office. It did. It was a surprise to us that, like, wow, they don't, so they don't all come out and are big hits, you know. <laughs> right. It was, it was, you know, it, it. We had issues with the way it was marketed and all sure. that kind of stuff, but it it wasn't a a box office success at all. But what happened was people found it on DVD and video and all, and so it, it it started becoming more of a cult classic. But when it comes out, they don't they don't when a movie bombs, it, people don't you know make you feel good about that the studio i remember called the saturday morning after it opened and they told us it was going to do pretty well and it didn't do anything and it did the whole movie did 25 million total and uh they called us and i said well what you know what did you expect they said there weren't you had no ads on tv and the guy hey, hey peter peter look within yourself the movie didn't <laughs> work <laughs> I think, okay thank you thanks for yeah. the call yeah yeah so then you have like six months of like you know it, it didn't open it didn't get great reviews so you start feeling yeah like, so then i i think then yeah. the pressure was on because we had made a yeah. second movie and it wasn't a hit and then there, you know so there was a little bit of like wow they had jim carrey so that's a hit and then they made one on their own and it wasn't a hit so the our third movie was there something about mary and i think we did feel it a little a little more than if we felt it at all yeah because we weren't sure that we would be able to keep making movies and then the third one, of course, monster hit, yeah. you know. But what's really weird to me is Kingpin now, in hindsight, just plays along yeah. with all those. You know what I mean? Like, people have probably watched Kingpin as many times as they've seen yeah. those other films. Yeah, you know? well, there's a lot of, you know, a, a lot has to come together for a movie to be a hit. Like, movies get, there are movies over the years, like, like uh, uh, what, what was the movie, um, 
the George Gallo, Midnight Run. Okay, yeah. that movie didn't open. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Right. There are a lot of movies that did not open that go on to be, you know... Yeah, there's a ton of, of, of really good movies. I remember Zoolander, which is the Ben Stiller yeah. movie. I think that came out right on the yeah, that was horrible weekend of 9-11 or yeah. something. So absolutely no one saw that. Yeah, right. But then it, it found itself, you know... In, on on uh yeah but you got you things have to cut, line up the stars have to align you have to have a good movie you have to have it come out at the right time they have to promote it properly cuz sometimes they, they it's not promo, it's they promote it to the wrong crowd or they don't quite understand it so there's a lot that has to happen for a movie to be a hit so, you know, and that's stuff that you guys aren't involved in at all they don't ask for your advice like where would the audience for this be um, not really. we we try to stay a little bit involved for sure yeah. because you have you know we have such vested interest in it. But uh, no, it's not like they come to us for the you know for the answers. I think they think they know what they're doing, but you know sometimes we just sometimes like I tell you one thing. Universal, who's releasing this movie, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Like from the very beginning, the ads that they were running and showing us, it's, it was unbelievable how good they were. You know, there were things like you said they give away something in the trailer there, but you have to give some stuff away to sure. get the people in. And they were, uh, but they've they've done an excellent job. We had other studios who were not at all interested in making Dumb and Dumber too. They just didn't see any value in it, even at a, a really inexpensive price. Which was kind of surprising to us. Yeah. So what do they say? They said people have forgotten about yeah. the movie? Yeah, and it puts you in an awkward position because you're saying, no, they haven't. And they say, yeah, they kind of have. And it's like, it's your movie. You say, no, they remember us, man. <laughs> like, it's a classic. It's a classic movie. Like, eh. yeah. like, no, they were like, you know, we wanted to put like Billy in 4C, the kid in the wheelchair, in the movie as grown-up Billy. And we used the same actor, Brady Blum, who's fantastic. And... Uh, they were like, no one's going to remember him. We said, well, yeah, they do remember him. They're like, no, they don't. And I, I have, I had, when we started this, my kids now are 15, 14. They were probably 12 and 11 at the time. I said, my kids' friends all know Dumb and Dumber. They said, that's because they're your kids' friends. No. And I said, no, no, that's not it. They knew it before they met my kids. But they didn't, uh, they didn't believe that people would remember. No, like cigarettes, this is a, this is a coming of age thing for kids yeah. to sneak off, you know, with their buddies yeah. And sit down and watch these kind of films. Do you remember when we were when we were twelve? I would say three quarters of my friends smoked. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bought packs. You'd go in the store. Yeah. You know, people would buy cigarettes. There was no question. Well, no, but I, I used to I used to get my dad's cigarettes for him, yeah. where he would send me to the yeah. store to get cigarettes, and then every once in a while we'd pull some money, and that would be our cigarettes. Yeah. You know. I don't I, think uh, I don't think that's going on now. I, no. It, well, because God. it's ten dollars a pack. Is that you know it? what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a if a kid wants to smoke now, he really has to commit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Instead, well, instead they're just instead they're just handing each other their ADD medicine yeah. like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. When was the last time you saw a twelve year old smoking and hitchhiking? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, those are the good old days. Yeah, huh? Well, you know. I know. But because of that, you know, this is one of the things I love about uh, outside Providence because I think this has kind of been forgotten is that the dad in that. Yeah. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin at what forty forty one was already like an old dude and beaten down by life, yeah. and you don't really see that these days. But I remember, I don't know whether because all these guys worked in factories, or whatever. Yeah. But by the time they were yeah. forty, you know, 
They just couldn't take it anymore. No, they were beat up. And by the way, that was movie. That movie was directed by Michael Carney. He did yeah. an awesome job. But he got Alec Baldwin to be in that movie. And at that point, Alec's career was on a downturn. He had gotten uh, had a couple movies that didn't work, and he had some problems with a couple actors and onset problems. Yeah, too. and yeah. so Carney went to him and said, "You should do this role." And and Alec came on. He was a, a prince. He he couldn't have been nicer. Did everything. And I think his performance in that movie is one of the most underrated performances. Stunning. Yeah, it, it, like the thing I I noticed about him in that in, in that is that. I actually was aware of every breath he took. He had this beat upon feel like he, he could barely get his next breath for every line. He'd be like, where are you going? What are you guys doing tonight? Like life was so hard for him. Yeah. And I've never seen him do it since. Or, uh, uh, but that performance blew my mind. Right after that, he started getting roles and he came back and he became Alec Baldwin as we know him. But I, I think that was the beauty of that part, uh, is to find a guy yeah. that really doesn't exist these days. I mean, now guys that are in their 40s, you don't go out to watch Pixar films at night. But those guys just wanted to sit at a bar and drink and try yeah. to forget, you yeah. know, all the terrible shit they had seen. By the way, <laughs> one of the guys that was in the show was a friend of ours from Rhode Island named Mike Cerrone, and he's, he was one of the guys playing poker with yeah. Alec Baldwin, and 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 right after that movie came out, the, the Sopranos was going on. This this is a good story. It tells you about Rhode Island, and uh, the Sopranos got going, and it was a hit. And they saw him in that movie, and they called him up, and they said, "Hey, would you like to be in the show?" And he's like, "Sure, send me a script." So they sent him a script. He read it and passed. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a non-working actor. He didn't have any work at all. That's amazing. He passed. I said, what? "Why did you pass?" He said, "Because the guy, like three episodes in, he turns out to be a rat." I can't, he goes, "I can't play a rat." He, I, I, what? It's an acting role. You're not a rat. He goes, "Yeah." I called him up. I said, "Listen, uh, I like the, it's a good role, but if you, you know, I can't play a rat. You, you got another role where the guy's not a weasel. I'd be happy to play it." <laughs> Hasn't had a job since. <laughs> See, that's a Rhode Island yeah. Italian thing, because Brooklyn Italians are always ready to play rats, <laughs> whether it's in film or real life. <laughs> for for all the respect, they said that they roll over quick. No, no. he wouldn't do it. Not playing a rat. You guys went back to a Jim Carrey and shot that film in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, me, myself, and Irene. Which, yeah. uh, if anyone. Wants to, you know, you could put that in a time capsule to look back at Jim Carrey's just physical brilliance yeah. of what he did in that yeah. film. It's comedically, you might have to go back to Jerry Lewis yeah. to see somebody pulled off anything like That's that. That's one yeah. of Jim's favorite movies that yeah. he's ever made because of that. He really did have to, you know, he was playing two two guys in the same body, and his performance is genius in that. You know, he, he was unbelievably good. Yeah. Jim's a genius. Well, there there are so many times like the critics are willing to, you know, give a dramatic actor because he, you know, played in a wheelchair yeah. or played like, you know, uh, something. They're like, oh, what thing? But to do that comedically, yeah, uh, you know, M Murphy's pulled it off uh, a few times, but it's like one of the most difficult things in the world to do, and something that people just go, well, that's Jim Carrey doing that Jim Carrey thing that yeah. he does. Like, it's easy. Yeah, well, comedy is just, it, it is underrated. And, and you know, people have asked us, well, do you guys think you'll ever do a drama? And uh, and we will probably someday when the time comes and it feels appropriate. But to us, we, we do comedy because it's challenging. 
Yeah, it's hard. You know, you're you're really it, it's a tough thing to do, and and it, and it, it's we like the effort. We like my favorite part, though it's the hardest part, is the writing because it's satisfying when you come up with stuff. But you guys are just bashing your head against the wall for a long time before you feel like okay, we got it. No, this yeah. you know we, we wrote the original Dumb and Dumber script in uh, took us 19 days. We hold ourselves up in a wow. uh, cabin on Cape Cod, and 19 days later we come out with a. You know, 120-page script, Dumb and Dumber. This one, I think it took us like a year and a half. Yeah. Because the bar, you know, we didn't want it to be, you know, and I've said this for Dumb and Dumber light. We wanted it to try to rise to the level of the first one. We wanted the characters to be the same. And we wanted to give them the opportunity to shine the way they had the first time. And, yeah, it was and, just... It was, and we also used other writers. Mike Cerrone, who's ooh. the guy who passed, writes with us now. <laughs> and and also, yeah, um, John uh, uh, Anders and Morris, who yeah. are the writers and directors of Horrible Bosses 2. Yeah. Uh, they Bennett came, Yellen, Bennett is, our, Yellen is, our is our official writing partner. He yeah, wrote the, he wrote the first one with us. Uh, so we always surround ourselves with you know, other people that are super talented and makes us look good. Yeah, but Bennett Yellen is the unsung hero of Dumb and, of the Dumb and Dumber movies because he's he's started with us doing it. He's got a big say in it. And you guys all write together? You pass it back and forth, or no? We all do it together. Get together. Yeah. yeah, we have a we. What we do is what we like to do is we will write all week and. When we're writing hard, you know, we like to dive in. Like, we'll, we'll write all day and night. We'll take a break for dinner, come back, work all night. And then on Friday night, we, we'll go out, have a couple drinks, maybe toast one up and talk about what we've done. And then you start seeing other ways of doing start it. Start to see a trend? Yeah. <laughs> and, then on, um, uh, and, then, and then on and then on Monday, you do it again. We yeah. don't, we don't the write. The third time he references it, I'm going to pull one out and toast right. one up. <laughs> yeah. No, well, we couldn't like I, I like we would never write while drinking or while doing anything else. But sometimes it's good to look at what you have written mm -hmm. with a different point of view and see and and you do see things truthfully. Right. And you know, I wouldn't recommend it every day. No, but and <laughs> you want to make sure it doesn't happen earlier and earlier in the day too, where no, like no, eleven yeah. a.m. No. Let's, let's have a couple and look back at the script. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's no, it's it, you know, writing that. it's it's very easy to procrastinate and not do it. You know, sure. so you gotta you have to be disciplined. You're talking about the ball game last night. You're talking exactly. about politics. All kinds of shit. There's a lot to talk about when you first get together. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the Monday night game, yeah. you know, how you get screwed because you were given six and a half and somebody right. scored at the end. And, <laughs> that, you and, know who did it great was uh, sign, on the Seinfeld show when Jerry and uh, Costanza had become yeah. writers and they were just they're getting together, but they're both just lying on the couch, <laughs> sleeping. And like, well, let's break. Let's call it a day. Yeah. Having yeah. that empty pad yeah, in like front that, of them. That is so spot yeah. on. Well, yeah. we do do that for the first week or two of any script. There is that. And then finally after two weeks somebody will get mad and say this is bullshit what are we doing come on it's like are you I've got a family to yeah. feed like we, why am I spending my time here with you I could be home <laughs> he is that somebody by the way I, I could I could procrastinate longer but that does make it harder I guess as the years go by because you don't have as much free time as you do when you're younger that's true yeah. you know when you're younger sitting around with your friends talking about the game that's life you yeah, know what I mean that's everything. Yeah, yeah, plus you're going out. You know, when you're young, we're going out three, four nights a week, and right. and, and funny things are happening with your friends out at night, and yeah. you're writing things down that sparks ideas. So. Yeah, there, it's it's rare for an adult friend to 
paint the head of his dick green, yeah. stick it in his pocket, and you're like, oh, we can use this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's rare, and it's illegal. Yeah. Thing, you know? yeah. Now too many cell phones. You can't do that. Isn't it funny, <laughs> too? Yeah, because of cell phones. A most... lot of laughs are being lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Well, it's really tough on yeah. stand-ups, too, because they don't get the chance to work out material anymore. You know, they'll go to a comedy club, be working on it, and somebody will, you know, video them, and then later it's on YouTube, and people say, that's offensive, because they haven't worked through yeah. that part. They found the idea, exactly but they right. haven't got to the point yeah, where it's right. funny, you know? Yeah, you gotta, there's a line. You have to find, okay, that was too much. Mm -hmm. Let's pull back. Let's try it again. They haven't edited themselves. They haven't timed it right and all right. that sort of stuff that you have to do. Because yeah. Like Kramer, uh, you know, Michael Richard, he was just trying material then. I know. <laughs> just kidding. I don't want to walk down that road. Yeah. He still hasn't been able yeah. to pop back out and say, here's what I meant to say. Yeah. You know? We had a Kramer moment on Dumb and Dumber. What? Remember he met with him? Uh, uh, yeah, he was, um, uh, well, we met with him. Uh, he, he was one of the guys who, who we wanted early on before. We had 150 guys pass before we got Jim Carrey. Wow. To do it. And he was one of them. And, yeah. and uh, But he, he felt sure that it wasn't a comedy. He said, yeah. I love this script, but it, it's not a comedy, guys. It's a tragedy. <laughs> what do you mean it's, like, it's just like of mice and men this is lenny and george just let's it's a great story let's take the jokes out oh well, i don't know well we yeah. considered it for a, a minute right yeah we want to get it made we thought right. this guy's... we, we would have cut every joke in it <laughs> well let's try if it's getting made yeah well, well, eventually a... he passed later he came yeah. up because you got you know what you guys are right it is it was, a comedy yeah, well, he did come up and he was very gracious like I, you must think i'm an idiot that i was trying to cut those jokes and i was like no it's just everyone has a different point of view you know what it, whatever he was looking at it differently than we were at the time but, yeah it, does, it rattles your take on it though you're thinking well maybe we're just you know way off because yeah. other people obviously see it differently. Well, particularly when there's 150 of them, where they're going, this exactly this doesn't work. I mean, around 125, yeah. you start to think, are they right? Well, I remember you know? the low point was when we had offered it to a guy we saw in a commercial. We had seen him in a commercial. He got nothing. And somehow we tracked him down, and we offered him the role. And uh, Bobby walks in the room, and he looked at me, and he says, uh, Burger King guy passed. <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, the Burger King guy passed. I said, you're shitting me. Why he can't be getting offered movies. Like, huh? yeah, that happened. So, you know, well, we had to change the title. It was, it was, you know, Dumb and Dumber, but it didn't mean anything. It, didn't, it wasn't in the, you know, the lexicon like mm -hmm. it is now, so... People were reading it like, what? No, why would I want to be dumb or dumber? You know, like, they, or agents didn't want to give it to their clients because yeah. they thought they'd get fired. Like, you know, this is how they saw their career, where their career was going. So we called it uh, a power tool is not a toy. We changed the title, which sounded kind of hip and dumb. And everyone started reading it then. And then we changed it back to Dumb and Dumber once we got it going. Power Tools, Not a Toy was a song by a, a band called The Young Adults out of Rhode Island. Mm. Rudy Cheeks was the uh, lead singer, yeah. in case you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they got disappointed when the title went back. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, were like, well, this is great. Yeah. We actually have the, that album cover in Dumb and Dumber 2. Is, is it better? Yeah. Is it really? Is it yeah. Well, you also had Todd Rundgren do oh, yeah. the music, which was amazing because yeah. he brought in a lot of his own stuff. And there's another guy from that same era who's, you know, 
when we were talking about the kind of concerts you guys went to. I love brilliant. Todd. Brilliant. Todd's one of my all-time favorites. He, he yeah. He's fantastic. And so it was the first chance we got to make a movie. And I thought, who would you like to do the music? How about Todd Rundgren? <laughs> like, who? Todd Rundgren. He doesn't do music. Well, let's call him. Find out. We did. Yeah. And uh, he, he did an awesome job. did a great job. But he didn't quite get the movie. Like He didn't understand it either, I think. Because I remember one time we were in the editing room, and he was sitting in there with us, and we were laying in music. And we were having a debate about a scene to cut. And uh, and I, I, someone said, I think we should trim it. And someone else said, we should cut it. And someone else said, well, we should keep it. And we were debating it, going back and forth. And I and I looked over at Todd, who just been sitting there quietly. I said, Todd, what do you think? He goes, you're asking me? I said, yeah, what do you think about this? Cut, keep what? He goes, if you're asking me, I'd cut half the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, forget it. Yeah. But we're, we're not asking you. Another Michael Richards. <laughs> well, that's Philly humor. Nothing yeah. you do works. That's, uh, oh, no, that, he was just thinking, like, why, yeah. how did I get it stuck on this shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are, what I love about the story is uh, that there's so many times that you should have quit and given up. And, you know, anyone would have told you quit, give up. You've But you kept going. What keeps that happening? Why keep going? Okay, there was a, and this is the third time or fourth I'm mentioning weed. There was a time <laughs> uh, when we could not get that script uh, made. And I had, a, back then I had a roommate. We were, I was living in L.A., a guy named Jimmy Shea. And I was like, a, I was pretty disciplined. I would stay in on weekend nights writing. I was always working. And Jimmy would go out partying, and he would come back at like 2 in the morning with three guys or four guys always different friends of ours and he'd come in he'd, and he'd walk in and they'd be all lit up and he, they'd say Pete can you read that script and I was like oh come on they said please read the script and I would read Dumb and Dumber to them aloud while they toasted up bones and they would be howling howling on the ground and as I was reading it every time like I, I would tell it just like the movie I'd read it in an hour and a half I'd fly through the description, just get to the plot, and these guys would all be laughing, and I, it did two things for me. Number one is it made me know this is a good script, because mm -hmm. every time I was getting new people howling. And the other thing it did was, as I'm reading it aloud, I would get to parts where, that weren't as good as other parts, and I could feel myself trying to rush through it to get to the, new, new, the next good part, and I would mark that part that I'm rushing through and say, concentrate on this, you've got to fix this. shouldn't have to rush through this. And I did this so many times that eventually the script just got better and better. And, and we just never wanted to quit on it because we believed in it. I always felt there's a little part of you thinking, well, they're, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe it sucks. But mm -hmm. mostly I thought, no, nah, they're dead wrong. But and of course, you can't expect anyone to get something new. You know what I mean? Like yeah. any corporation, sometimes we blame it on on Hollywood. But every corporation thinks an idea is let's just do that thing that the other guys are mm -hmm. doing, you right. know? So right. we get stuck with that. Then after you guys got successful, they started to try to pitch a lot of these type of movies. Yeah, and, but there were, and a lot of them would call and say, guys, you, you, you don't know where the line is. You go yeah. over the line too much. Because nobody was doing that at the time. Yeah. And that was a PG-13 movie, but people were a little softer. They weren't going that way. But the guys who never did quit on us, and this is important, one reason we didn't get down on ourselves, our agents believed in it. Richard Lovett at CAA was our agent and still is our agent. Mm -hmm. And he always thought, we're going to get this made. This is a good script. He never was like, well, maybe you want to make changes or try something else. Or He believed in it. That helped a lot. Because if you, if you have someone in your corner, uh, it, you know that, that keeps you up.
And here we are, 20 years later, coming back to these characters. It's, it's kind of amazing when you really think about it. So we didn't plan it to be 20 years exactly, but it happened out. It, it turned out that way. Yeah, that was December uh, 94, 1994, yeah. that the original came out, and here we are, November 14. So it's one month we shy. We can do the math, huh? One <laughs> month shy. <laughs> one month shy. Uh, you already took this back to Rhode Island? and No, we're having a Rhode Island premiere on Thursday night. Yeah. This Thursday night we have our, our friends and family premiere. And that is, uh, I guess, the most fun for you guys after all It is, years. yeah. We just had a, a big premiere out in L.A. Uh, but at an L.A. premiere, it's like you got a lot of business people, industry people, and very few of them are involved in the movie. And so there is like this, this underlying current where a lot of them are kind of secretly rooting against you just because sure. they may have a competing project yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I don't mean in a bad way, but they're not 100% as excited about it as, as you are. Mm -hmm. uh, at home, you know, it's, it's all our friends and family, so... I'd say only half of them are rooting against us. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we made a big mistake the first time we, when we made our first movie. was The first assembly, when you put everything together, you cut it together, was three hours and 40 minutes, and we decided to screen it for our friends. I don't know what was going through our heads. We thought, oh, we'll just show it to our friends, and they'll tell us what works and what doesn't. Three hours and 40 mi minutes. I don't care what that movie no is. No music. Yeah. You know, you know. It, it, no sound effects. You know, no every, color time. Everything in there. And I remember we had 70 of our best friends in L.A. come out. And the first guy comes out and he's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> fuck you. Like, three hours and f Are you fucking crazy? And uh, you guys have to cut. Yeah. I saw my friend. I said, what do you think? The worst. <laughs> the, the worst what? The worst I've ever seen. Yeah. And just walking what? off. Like one too, after another. It's too long. It's way too long. You don't have any music. You cut from one side to the other. They don't even look like it's the same day. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we we going to fix that. Uh-huh. Yeah, fix it. Now get back to me. Yeah. People were furious. So that we learned a good lesson. We'll never, you know, we then cut it all the way down to just under two hours, mm -hmm. and then we started showing it to people, and then it played well. But we didn't know any better. I think it's beauty that you know we sit around and talk about this, and it's just like failure after failure after failure until it's a success. Yeah, and it's one thing I think they don't teach us in school. You know, what I mean, they don't teach us in school. Uh, just keep failing until you figure this thing out. Yeah. You know, you just stay with it. Well, also, like, there is something, um, and I, I believe in this, like, the fact that Jim Carrey was the 150th guy we offered this to, uh, and and we had this, it turned out the way perfect, was, you know, don't get upset if you don't get everything you want just the way you want it. Because when you get everything you want, the way you want it, it's going to be as good as you could have imagined it. But sometimes if you don't get what you want, then the world, the universe kind of opens up and drops something else on your lap that makes it way better. So accept that. Like we still do. When people pass on projects or something doesn't work, I think maybe this is a good thing. Maybe something better is coming. And and that's how life is. Like if you think about, like I, I always think about my wife. It's our 21st anniversary today, by the way, of our first, no, that's great. Of our first date. Ah, 11, 11, 11. Anyway, um, and um, uh, I always think of like all the women that came before her who, you know, I would have married <laughs> if, if, they, if, they'd have, if they'd have just yeah. been nicer. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and, and where it worked out was, you know, it's just perfect for me. You know, it's just sometimes uh, defeat is a good thing. 
I, I, I think that's a phenomenal lesson. Is it a spiritual connection you have to it, or you just throw that off yourself? Do you feel like the universe... There's definitely a... a yeah. I don't know if Zen's the word, but there is like... It, it, you do open it up and you just say, hey, the right person will come to it. And we do it all the time, particularly in the casting process. Yeah, but like, that doesn't mean you just sit back and wait for shit to happen. Mm -hmm. You have to keep pushing. Right. When you get knocked down, just keep pushing to the next one. You can't quit. If you quit, that universe won't work. You have to keep going. And um, But you don't get down because the guy that you thought of or the person that you are focused on for this amount of time, it didn't work out. Or that job that you wanted so badly didn't work. Okay, here's a great example. Right before Dumb and Dumber got made, about a year before, Bobby and I, more than anything in the world, we wanted to write for Seinfeld. That was, you know, the show. And it still is the best comedy of all time, I think. And uh, TV show. And uh, we wanted that more than anything. We kept sending him script after script after script. And finally, we even got in the door with him. We pitched to Larry David, Larry Charles, and, and to Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld. And we ran some ideas back. And we even sold a couple ideas. But we wanted to be on staff badly. And one day, somebody calls and said, look, just stop bugging him. You're not getting on staff. And I remember thinking, oh, fuck. You know, I mean, what a defeat this is. This is like, there's nobody better. And so wherever we go after this, it's not going to be working with the best. And they know comedy, and they don't like us. And that's, like, it was devastating because, you know, it wasn't like getting, you know, passed on by Yes, Dear. You know, it's right. Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, and, and it, it just felt like, the, where else do you go? Well, as it turned out, you know, soon the Dumb and Dumber wheels got turning, and we got that made. If that, that would We would have, like, quit on Dumb and Dumber. We, if we'd been on the staff of Seinfeld, we never would have left. And then we would have just become sitcom writers, which mm -hmm. isn't a horrible thing. But the way it happened to us is so much better. And we look back at that now. That was one of the big blessings in our life that Seinfeld passed on us. Yeah, and then later on in life, too, we became real good friends with, uh, with Larry David in particular. And so it's all, it was a happy ending. And yeah, it was just like what you thought you wanted then was, it was better that we didn't get it. All right, so never give up. Yeah. And never turn down a soprano script, no, no matter what happens. No. Bobby and Peter, ladies and gentlemen, the Fairly Brothers. Thank you very much. Thank that you. was a ball. I really love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to the Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.